on episode 42 of Pixel Gaiden. The guys have some big news. We discuss our classic rating system. Things get a little extreme. Eric discusses his CD32. And Tim backs it up. Six good alternative sports games. The Dreamcast gets some love. News about a moose and a llama. And another Tony Hawk. September. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. <laughs> it's very loud in my headphones. Yes, there, it is. There's too much rock. Too much rock. <laughs> well, before we go any further, Eric, yeah. we have exciting news to announce to everyone who listens to Pixel Guide N. Yes. And uh, hopefully we have a whole bunch more listeners listening to this show for the first time this episode. And why would that be, Eric? Well, we need some kind of cool sound effect. Uh, what kind of, like a, like a happy, upbeat sound effect? Yeah. All right, how about a, uh... So we, our little podcast... <laughs> our, our meager little podcast of has less l- under 20 million viewers... That's right, has now joined the amazing Amigos Retro Gaming Network. Very cool. Awesome. We did just one up. Yeah, we did one up. We always talk about those guys in the show. So, for those who don't know, the Amigos uh, Network at this point, it's taken many forms, but at this point, it consists of um, Everything Amiga, which is the Amiga-centric podcast, Uh, ARG Presents, which uh, Aaron does with his brother. That's right, Brent. Um, Yep. And they talk about everything weird and wacky. And uh, It's a good show. I actually really like it. Yeah, well, yeah, they're all, I mean, all these are great shows. A recent addition, Sprite Castle, our boy Flack O'Hara. Yeah. Right? Sprite Castle's an oldie, but a goodie. Which is all Commodore 64. Yep. And then uh, you've got Pixel Guide In, which is like the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> That's right. Where we just go out here, drink beer, screaming on the microphone about video games, and hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, I, ho- I hope they uh, don't <laughs> mind that our shows are two and a half hours long sometimes. Well, you know what? If there's not enough content on the network now there is Uh, so anyways if you guys are new to the show welcome you you've joined the uh well i don't want to slight anybody i usually say the best retro video game podcast on earth when it comes to retro video games retro inspired video games and beer and beer is i guess we can because of the beer we can still claim that we are the best podcast in the world with those three things i i agree perfect perfect So so we are happy to be part of that though uh it's a great podcasting network and i encourage everyone to listen to all the different podcasts on there i do as do I. <laughs> All right. Well, with Pixel Guiden, we usually like to start off right immediately with some uh, video game talk, top topics, topic talk. Yep. In a section we like to call quick questions. Quick questions. So I wanted to do a little retro we rewind. Retro rewind. See, I need to get a sound effect for that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, that was good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just I'll, record that. I'll save it. I'll I'll pull it out from the next show. So my question was uh, an Evercade follow-up. Any gems that you found on the Evercade? Any duds? What are your overall impressions? 
And what are the next cartridges you're going to buy? I like it. I like it. So if you guys are uh, unaware, in the last show, Eric and I both found out that we each bought ourselves a Nevercade. Yeah. And a number of games. Um, and I'll be honest with you on this question. Uh, gems I've found, not really, because almost all the games that came with this are games I've played before. Right. Um, with the exception of two carts, which I was really excited about, and that is the Pico uh, Interactive Cart. That's right. And um, the Mega Cat. And the Mega Cat. I was really excited about the Mega Cat because they were all kind of new indie games. Right. Uh, and you and I kind of both talked about it on the show last time. We did, yeah. We were, we were kind of bummed out by them, to be honest. Yeah. Then they, they they didn't dazzle me, and I wish they had. I was really looking forward to the Mega Cat one. I was razzled, but I wasn't dazzled so <laughs> right. much. Um, yeah, yeah. So so I did really enjoy Tanzer on there. I think I told you and, to and give I, that one a shot. And I played that one a little bit after you told me, and I, I ended up liking it a lot, too. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so far I couldn't say I've found any uh, any gems per se. Now, that being said, again, these are all collections of old ports, which I'm not a huge port guy, so I'm really looking forward to the new stuff, new collections. Uh, next cart to buy, I already actually put a pre-order in for the Tanglewood slash, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Three. The one you have. The yeah, one, you already bought it. And, uh, the uh, Smash TV top-down twin-stick shooter. Xenomorph? Yes. Or something Xeno like that? Xenocrisis. Xenocrisis, that's right. I am very excited about that on the physical cart. Me too. Um, and I think I'm going to get the Oliver Twins one as well. Yeah. Um, it has a lot of puzzle games and stuff on there, which I think look good on the go, and I haven't played them. so Since they're so, since they're so reasonably priced, I am really going to try to make a run for all the available ones in the U.S., I'm and trying to avoid that. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. But if I if I lose interest, I'm not going to make any promises. But um, yeah, I mean I, that. I guess my feelings are exactly the same. Like I, I love the hardware. I love the feel of mm-hmm. it. I love the battery life. I I have no complaints about the hardware at all. Uh, I just am not dazzled by the library so far. So it's been sitting on my shelf more than it should. Yeah. Um, but I, I am I am really eagerly awaiting the the upcoming releases yeah i want more new stuff and there are people online uh specifically a guy on twitter sir top and hat hmm. who keeps on suggesting games to go on there he's just making a really big push for this system um and he comes up with some fun ideas every once in a while but yeah i'd love to see more and more um new stuff or or stuff i haven't seen before um did you fix the do, speaker issue or no my speaker i have one speaker that's probably 100 percent output whereas my right speaker on this thing only puts out like 50 percent output I don't know why. Uh, after it's you really mentioned annoying. that, it bugs me every time. Last month, after you mentioned that, I double checked mine because I yeah. was like, maybe mine, and I just don't notice. And mine's fine. So, <sighs> sorry. So the only thing that I mean, assuming that most of these don't have that problem, the only thing that's really bugging me, I mean, the little cartridge, it's hard to get in and out. Yeah. it's starting to get easier. Yeah. So I'll get over that soon. But the only thing that bugs me about it is the button map. I can't. Some even though they redid the the software, the firmware, mm-hmm. so that you can fix the button mapping. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of games still. I just can't get the buttons to to do it to be mapped correctly for me. For you, yeah. jump and f- shoot or backwards, no matter what you do, and I can't handle that. So I bet the future firmware is going to make that completely mappable. Yeah, well, you'd hope that people in the games would would fix that. You'd think that'd be a software thing, right. but whatever. Yep, that's my answer for that. Eric, I have a quick question for y'all as well. Please, are there games uh, that you prefer over others, even though you would review them? With a lower score. Yeah, I, I saw this question on the notes, so <laughs> I gave. I had a little bit of time to think about it. Okay, okay. Um, and I hope I'm going to answer this correctly. Um, there, I have two choice. I have two picks. 
One whenever I boot up like an old eight bit system, I always try to I always load up Load Runner. It's yeah. like one of my like go to kind of comfort food games. Yep. And it is a good game, but ranked about ranked to other platforms on any of those systems, there are many, many, many other platforms that are better in every way. Yeah. So Load Runner really to me I'd give it like maybe a four out of ten. Oh wow. Five out of ten maybe. Um but Hold I on, still, I've got a button for that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I I do go to it every time because I love playing it. And then my second one, oh, by the way, and then Flack just did an episode on Load Runner for the Call yes, of 64. Yes, you did. You're right. So see, I'm plugging, I'm plugging other podcasts on our see? network already. I'm a team player. That's right. I like it. Eric's, <laughs> <laughs> Eric's cashing in that uh, net new network. And then the other one is uh, 1942 in the arcade. Is that okay. it, it's to me an inferior uh, shmup that has really horrible sound, but for some reason I I go to it whenever I boot up my main cabinet. Yeah, and right. play 1942. So well, there's two reasons I asked this question. I'll give you my answer, and I'll tell you why I thought of this question later here when we get to Irata. But. Okay. I was looking through some uh, top PlayStation 3 games yeah, uh, for purposes of my own, uh, and everybody puts The Last of Us at, like, number one, like, one of their best games. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really good game, and I wouldn't dispute that, per se, but I love all of the Uncharted games better. Uncharted. Yep. Yeah. I love Uncharted. I absolutely love it. I love the light sense of humor and the, the playfulness and... Um, just it's kind of a little more over the top, less based in reality. Not that zombie apocalypse is reality, but uh, Last of Us is more serious and it's a better game. But I would play Uncharted any day over it while rating it lower. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that makes sense. All right, Eric, we're done with quick questions. What does that mean? I hope it's beer time. Well, is we it? can we can <laughs> crack some beers out. And usually while we crack open some some brewskis, uh, we go ahead and give some show information while we're at it as well. Oh, sure. Uh, So where can our listeners, especially our new ones here, get a hold of us, Eric? The the cool thing, the very cool thing about this. Ooh, so cool. This question is that now you can find us in not one, but two places. Oh, I thought you were going to say not one, not two, but five minus three (laughs) places. No, it's two. And you can find us at our original home which is uh pixelguiden.com uh you can find us on any kind of uh podcatcher or whatever but if you happen to already be subscribed to the amigos retro gaming network feed you can also find us there and we we're just gonna be spliced right into the all their podcasts very cool yep so if you want to reach out to us you can reach out to us on twitter at at pixel underscore guiden uh, you can reach me at at Dub Project. You can reach Cody at at Oddball. <laughs> you have a hard time with this. A D O D D B A one one four nine. Those ones are L's, Eric. Yep. And Oddball forty nine. And you can reach uh, Tim Drew at at Sanction S A N X I O N. Please review us on iTunes, <clears throat> um, and you can email us at podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we do ask if you guys can review us anywhere. That'd be awesome. <laughs> iTunes particularly is great. Just write a quick review, and we'd really appreciate it. Um, that's one way to support the podcast, and we appreciate all support. Yes. Uh, we also appreciate your feedback and, and information. Also, if you want to, Eric, yeah. if you happen to be a Patreon subscriber, we'll talk about that just just real quick here. Yes. Uh, you also now, this is new. Beep, 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 beep. I don't know how to do that with my sound effects. <laughs> right. With a yes. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, you can now also join the Amigos Network Discord server. Yes, uh, the very active Discord server. Very active Discord server, and it is really cool. Uh, yeah. They talk about this on their shows a lot, but now that we have uh, instant access here, and we have our own little folder under that server for the Pixel Guide and show, but there's also high score competitions they have on there, um, which I'm in the middle of a, a, a killer um, Amiga high score competition for, I want to call it Pipe Dream, but it's called Pipe Mania, I guess, in Europe, right? Right. Um, and uh, hope there's like 20 different segments, a for sale section, which I always love to go on there and see what people are hawking. Um, so if you are a Patreon supporter and give to the fo- show financially, you get to join that Discord server as well. In addition, we like to do something fun with all of our Patreon subscribers. So if you give at the $3 or higher level, we like to announce you on the show in our own fun and unique way, Eric. Oh, awesome. We use the Internet's random adjective generator to describe each Patreon by name. And we do it in a, in a, in a like I said, a fun, unique way. And this time, we are holding our own extreme sports competition. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most extreme sports competition around. It's the pinnacle of extreme sports when athletes from all around the world gather for the big game. Our first event is the BMX. Our riders on two wheels. We have the sarcastic Tim Drew, the fragile Dim Tessier, and the torpid Henrik Lofel. Right after that, we've got our skateboarders. The overjoyed Gary Heather, the non-stop Dustin Newell, and the makeshift Matthew Ackerman. Then we're keeping it old school with the quad skate. We have the handsome Daniel James, the direct Josh Malone, and the rustic Eric Sandgren. After that, we're dropping a wheel. We're locking it down with the unicyclists. The ripe David Vincent, the healthy 10-minute Amiga Retrocast, and the ubiquitous David Modelac. It wouldn't be a true competition without our lone tricyclist, the young Roy Fielding. In our penultimate competition, we have the Ribbon Dancers. Starting with the nervous Mr. Toast, the green Team Grey all the way, the colorful Maciej Sosnowski, and the testy Paradroid. And our final competition of the evening. Some call it parkour. Some call it freestyle walking. I call it stupid. Our contestants are the unequaled Ramoke Ramoke, the accidental citizen. And I introduce to you the newest member of our crew, the snappy Ant Stiller. Thank you, thank you. For all of our Patreon supporters. Well deserved. Well deserved. So at this point in the show, new listeners and old friends, old and new and far and near, we like to drink the beer. Some would say it's the best part of the show. Some, especially from the <laughs> host's me. point of view. Yeah, exactly. For me, it's the best part of the show. For our listeners, you just listen to us drink for five minutes in silence. Exactly. And imagine what it's we're riveting. tasting. It's riveting. So the beer we have today came from our boy and fellow... Uh, showman what do you call it show show co-host co-host uh from england we were sent the wild beer company's breakfast of champions eric a 2018 brew 
from the bottle, it looks amazing until you read the description. Yeah. Now, we've had some really good beers on this show, Eric. We've had some very good ones. In but fact, my beer of the year last year was from this company. Yeah. You, you said but. But we've had some real bad ones, too. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and pour this. Um, while, uh, Well, what kind of beer is this, Eric? Can you uh, go ahead and read that? What, how do they describe this beer? It is the Breakfast of Champions 2018. Wild mushrooms plus wild yeasts plus well-seasoned. <laughs> uh, this uh, is probably the first time I've had a mushroom, mushroom beer. Um, here, 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 take the rest there, buddy. You, why, you, don't, you don't want that much mushroom water? So we are splitting this, which is rare. We don't usually split. We usually have a full beer each, but uh, we got one of these. Cheers. Cheers, sir. And Let's... usually when we cheers, we drop the bomb. It smells like a sour. Oh, dude. I don't taste any mushroom. No, me either. That is a straight up hit you over the head, wild, yeasty sour. I love it. Maybe these are magic mushrooms in here. Oh, my goodness. Tripping out. Man, we're tripping on the wild mushroom. All right, so. Dude, this is amazing. I don't taste the mushroom, but it is really good. It is good, and you know why it's good is it kind of tastes like the other it really does. beer from them. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, this I is like excellent. It a lot. This is very good. Well, I shall we rate it right off the bat? Just get the, get that rating out of the way. Sure. I mean, it hits you over the head. It tastes uh, actually. It, I don't know if it's any different than that previous one. It won my beer of the year last year. That was so. the sourdough bread. The sourdough beer, right? Sourdough wild ale. Wild ale, yeah. Right. Yep. I'm um, ready. So we got to rate this out of what, mushrooms of some kind. What's our and again? If our list, our new listeners uh, hopefully listen to the show, we review lots of different things here on the show, but we d- we try never to use the same rating scale because no. we don't want to get boring. That's right. Mix it up. So what's our rating scale on this one, Eric? Uh, let's rate it out of... Uh, another name for mushrooms is morals, right? Ooh, morals. So yeah. let's do... Uh, is that French for morals? Is it? I don't know. Let's rate it... 30, out of 34 morals. Out of thir- 34 morals. Mor- oh, that- I'm not going to be able to say it. Let's make it 33. 30. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa, that was close, Eric. Yeah, I, almost, I almost blew it there. Woo. 33. Out of 33 morals? Yep. Man, it tastes just like the last one. And, and that one was your beer of the year. Beer of the year. I'm going to give it a 31. I love it. I love it. It's high praise. It's, come, high pra- it's kind of a bummer we only have one. Well, it is a bummer. We only have one, but it's good. It's very good. I'm going to give it the same, I think. If it lost any points, it's only because I don't taste the mushroom that it says are in there. So yeah. why even bring it up? Right. But it's good. It Thanks, Tim. Good. Awesome. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, really quick, we need to knock out some uh, errata and feedback from our listeners. Yes. And the first one is embarrassing to me, personally. <laughs> so we were doing six good games about Amiga last month, which well, I thought was an excellent segment that we did i thought i i thought all the games we covered were really good um and the favorite of my amiga games i started raving about and talking about oh yeah that game yeah that game and then david motolak david motolak he pointed out that during the six good game amiga i never used the title i never said the title of the game that's a pet peeve of mine and i always try to avoid that and so do you so do i i mean that's it's embarrassing i um i'm ashamed but as you should be but i did go back and listen yes i deserve it i would i did go back and listen and we we did say you said it towards the end of us talking about that game moving to the next one and it was statics which is the 
tiled the little block dropping action yeah, puzzle. Yeah, kind of like a falling block kind of Tetris game on a, uh, a seesaw. Seesaw. Yep. Which and I, it, I did go back and play, and it was fun. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a fantastic a game. But anyway, thanks for thanks to David for pointing that out for pointing my inadequacies. Yeah, thank you. Um, one of our listeners uh, wrote back to us on Twitter, yeah. uh, Brian Arsenault. Yeah. And he told me that uh, he loves the soundboard, yeah. but in our last show, he got a little tired of Eric I Sane. I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> Which is a classic. How could you get tired of I don't that? know. I just love it when Eric says... I like the cut of your jib. You know? <laughs> he maybe doesn't like how I say it. Well... <laughs> it is a little creepy. <laughs> that is true. But all I have to say, Brian, is... I like the uh, cut of your jib. So there you go. And we do. <laughs> We, we do enjoy his jib cut. We do. We do like it. <laughs> and then the last bit of uh, errata, something I noticed, Eric. Another I wanted to bring embarrassing up. element for me, huh? This is partly why I brought up that score thing. Yeah. Uh, with that, the quick question. We did an episode on uh, Galaga clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned some distaste with my with Galaga. Not my favorite game. Not a bad game. A classic for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't love the game. I don't think it's a very fun game. You're back paddling. You hate it. Uh, Eric said he absolutely loved it. I do love Galaga. Yeah, he does. Uh, then he said um, he actually prefers Gap Plus, I do. which I is do. a sequel to Galaga. So that's true. And then when we rated Gap Plus, he gave Gap Plus a 65%, which means Galaga yeah. is lower than 65% on Eric's that, score. That might be true, but I. <laughs> but I he loves I, it. I, yeah, I do love it. <laughs> So I think that therein lies the, the the issue is we can love something and not say it's a great game. That's right. That's Perfect. True. That's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> all right, guys. We got through all that. Let's go ahead and uh, you know, it's not always news to everybody. That's right. We don't complain or we don't uh, pretend to be an accurate source or up to date source for information. Fake news. But we call it the news. <laughs> See how that Galaga tune repeats itself? It goes right back into it. It's perfect. Yep. All right, guys. News. Uh, topic number one is actually news. Uh, Nintendo just came out with their big 35th um, anniversary Super Mario festivities. Yeah. And they went big. They did go big. They went really big. And they did some amazing um, releases and updates. And I'm going to pull it here on the computer because Eric and I like to look at it while we discuss it. Um, the first thing uh, I noticed, they came out with um, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the Super Nintendo, when I was young, they took the first three Marios, plus uh, the one they had in Japan, Super Mario 2, the Lost Levels, they called it here, took all four of those games, shoved onto one cart, and called it Super Mario All-Stars. Yeah. They're doing the same thing now with the Nintendo Switch and three classic 3D Mario games. 3D Mario, in, yeah. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, they're putting in Super Mario 64, and then they're also throwing in Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. All very highly rated games, mm-hmm. and all 3D Mario games, which means Eric doesn't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't like 3D Mario games that much, but I will say that uh, I, I do have Mario Sunshine on, on the GameCube. I have the original, and I played it for maybe three or four hours, and I, I did enjoy it. I thought the controls were a little clunky on it, so... If this fixes that, I might revisit it. I played some Galaxy, and it is really fun. It's okay. a really good, solid game. Uh, I heard Sunshine is one of those titles uh, that people who like it get really... It's kind of a niche title. It's mm-hmm. not like a true 3D Mario game. Um, he goes around squirting water at things. So some people love it, some people hate it. I'm trying to stop using the word polarizing all the time, but there you go. Um, 
so that's that's a thing. Uh, there's also a really cool uh, Mario Kart circuit toy video game mashup. Yeah. Have now, if we could go back one thing, because you, oh yeah, yeah. You, the Mario Odyssey. So we mentioned that I my dislike for Mar- 3D Mario games. Yeah. But that's my favorite game on the Switch so far because oh, really? I beat it and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I thought that was a fantastic game. Okay. So I did play Super Mario Odyssey and I. And did that is a refined 3D Mario game. Yeah, yep. So I haven't even touched that game. I don't. I don't own it. I need to. I need to try it. Yeah. It is super good. So, anyways, this Mario Kart thing is really cool. I don't know if you if you looked into this very much. I did not. Oh, you didn't. I oh, didn't. this is this. So this is uh, absolutely new to you. Uh, let me see if I can find it on here so you can see what I'm doing when I'm talking about it. Uh, but basically, they took Mario Kart uh, style game mm-hmm. on your Switch. Mm-hmm. But here it is. It's called Mario Circuit Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, and you have these physical like little remote control cars with a camera on the top. And then it takes that camera feed. You put down little um, ch- checkpoint gates, which you can't see in this picture here, but just trust me, they're there. And obstacles, and then your video game actually pulls up the camera, and you drive Mario, and you see like boxes and stuff. Oh. It's like what do you call that? Hyper um, augmented reality. Augmented reality. Yeah. Yeah. So you set up your own tracks, and you can race against the computer. You can race against other people with their own little uh, RC cars, like around your kitchen. Your yeah. hardwood floor, if you have hardwood floor. If your entire house is, car- house is carpet, then sorry, you're out of luck. That's pretty um, neat, though. <laughs> it's really cool. Here you can see some people laid out a whole bunch of stuff, and there's the gates. Wow. I think it's Yeah, I think it's really cool, and I'm sure they're going to be able to go ahead. And, like, I think it comes with Mario and Luigi with their little camera cars. Yeah. Uh, they actually, again, they actually drive around your, your house. That's pretty amazing. But I'm sure they're going to be able to sell, like, aftermarket... Now, if you want Donkey Kong, or you want right. Princess, you want Daisy, you want... Well, I mean, Mario Kart has so many playable characters, they could just make a fortune on... Everybody's going to want to collect them, so... Yeah, forget Amiibos, now we're going to be buying Mario Kart circuit cars, and uh, this is actually one I might fall on that bandwagon. This looks really cool. Yeah. I'm going to get this. And it's only going to be three grand. I don't know. <laughs> Once you're done collecting them all. <laughs> That's right. And you're going to like it. No price, though, right? Not yet. Uh, I don't believe so. Yeah, a lot of stuff is pre-order only right now, right. if not all of it. Here we go. Coming October 16th. That's so, soon. So that's in exactly 30 days from the day this releases. You eh, could, you could buy that for me for a Halloween present. For Halloween? Is that a thing? <laughs> no. Are we doing Halloween exchange? <laughs> no. I wish. Making Christmas. <laughs> that would be sweet. Oh, uh, we, we just got a YouTube thing, and that's why we're not on YouTube. Right. Um... So there's a couple other things they released. I mean, they had a ton of stuff. Uh, all kinds of their games are having kind of cameos from Mario and things. But the one I am absolutely, and you probably saw me going all off about this, floored by when I saw it. I'm like, I need to own that, is the Nintendo Game & Watch, physical Game & like a new Game & Watch. Yeah, I want that too. With Super Mario Brothers in it. Now, it's not just Super Mario Brothers in it, because just like any real Game & Watch... And for those who don't know, Nintendo Game & Watch was before the Nintendo Entertainment System. They made little LCD video games, kind of like a Tiger handheld. Yeah. But they were good. Sorry, Tiger. Uh, they were actually good LCD games. So this one looks, you know, it's got, got a gold front. It's got the D-pad on one side and two buttons on the other side. And then it's got the clock functionality, your time. You can press time. You can press game to get the game up. Um, so it does Super Mario Brothers. It actually has Super Mario Brothers 2, the Lost Levels, built in as well. And it actually has Ball, which is the original, the very first Game & Watch, but, oh, okay. but with Mario's face on it instead of just the regular dude. Yeah. So Ball is in there. And then, in a cool way, it kind of has 
uh, Super Mario style, the clock built in, where you actually see, like right now in the picture here, it says 913, but the numbers are bricks from Super Mario. Right. And it becomes an actual clock that you just leave on like like a real game and watch. That's neat. Um, I'm trying, I, it's the the pre, it's coming out November 13th, but they're trying to release the pre-orders soon. I know in the UK, Amazon already has the pre-orders up, and people are picking them up. Uh, but you can't get that one, Eric, because it's got a spelling error on the front. Yeah, exactly. They put a, they put an extra vowel in color. Yeah, I don't know why they That's silly put all those vowels in there. But um, so I'm waiting. I'm, I'm thinking about just pre-ordering it from the UK. I do not want to miss out on this. What does Tim think about that extra U? Uh, if I were to ask Tim, he'd probably say something like, "No, no, no, no." He wouldn't say that. Maybe that's what Tim would say. That's what Tim would say. There he goes. Anyways. Awesome. I, I uh, now I do. I, here is an issue though. A mm-hmm. lot of these things that they're coming out with are for limited time only. Right. And if you miss this, you're just you may be hosed. So once again, Nintendo is like, "Hey, scalpers, come raise mm-hmm. our stock share by making things scarce and making everything cost three hundred dollars on the black market, right. or not black secondary market." Which I do hate that. So, um, anyways, that's all I have to say about that, Eric. Okay. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to t- touch base. Uh, Jumpin' Jalopies, the Commodore 64 game uh, that uh, Jamie... Oh, what's his name? He just goes by Jamie, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we played it for the uh, Craptastic C64 competition. It's now fully fleshed out with a, a start scream and high scores and all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Um, he, he expanded past the 4K and made it fully it fleshed Fuller? out. Jamie Fuller? Jamie Fuller, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That just came to me. I appreciate it. Uh, so go ahead and hop on megastyle.itch.io and find uh, Jumpin' Jalopies. Download the full version. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to say uh, before you cover Tim's topic here oh. is uh, you and I both really enjoyed playing A Short Hike. Yeah, we did. Which was a really cool, fun, little atmospheric... Little um, zen kind of game. Yeah. And just chill out. Really cool kind of 3D, but pixely uh, graphics, but you're just kind of climbing around this Collecting mountain. Collecting things. Yeah, you're yeah. a woodland creature you're right. a bunch of woodland creatures we loved it and it's actually been released on switch now and it's only eight bucks and i would recommend it especially for anybody who likes like animal crossing mm-hmm. i think even though i don't like animal crossing or i haven't tried animal crossing just kind of a game where you walk around you collect stuff there's some parts you got to do some jumps and things but you don't you never die right you just kind of going around collecting things doing little fetch quests but in a really fun yeah it's just a nice relaxing game i love flying in that game Mm-hmm. You know how you can jump off the cliffs and fly around? Yep. It's, a, it's a blast. All right, I, I'll cover this. I, I, this is the first time I've read it, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Boxy Moxie, a C64 game by Anthony Savo- Savano. Savano? Yeah. Savona? Savona. Planet Golf and Fix-It Felix Jr., uh, okay, to his a, credit. Yeah, which are... Well, Fix-It Felix Jr. is arguably, in my opinion, the best game on the C64. It really it's, is. It's up it, there. It's it fantastic. There. And Planet Golf's going to be... Spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be one of my uh, games coming up here in Six Good Games. Mm. Spoiler. Yep. Uh, but anyway, it is Boxy Moxie, a PAL NTSC um, physical release through RGCD. And I, I don't know much about this. I did see a little bit about it um, on a, a news feed I was reading. I think it's I think it's a puzzle style game. Yeah, it's a it's a puzzler game. It almost reminds me of uh, it's actually kind of old towers. <clears throat> okay, you know where you got yeah. two characters and you press left, up, right, down, and they slide all the way to that side of the screen. Oh, kind I of gotcha. moving things in the right order. Okay. Um, the graphics look neat. Yeah, graphics is great, and of course the presentation of the the box and all the looks like there's some feelies in there. 
this is actually on a cart. There's some cards built in with some of their other games. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I kind of want those cards. Uh, <laughs> including Planet Golf. Uh, Get Em, which is a great game. Um, I forget the name of this one with the helicopter on it. I can't quite read it. It's like it. a shmup, right? Yeah. P.O. Snake. Uh, was it Aviator or Aviation? A- yeah. A- a- yeah. Aviator 64 or something like that. Yeah. It was great, though. Yep. Anyways, awesome. Thanks, Tim, for sending that one in. Yep. Any new 64 game is a great thing to have. Um, yes. Oh, this game. We can both talk about this. We can talk this. Again, this is this was like last month's news, but we, we dug into it, and I loved it, and so I, I recommended you get, make sure to give it a shot mm-hmm. um, as I'm clicking all over here trying to find my notes. It is a com- or I'm sorry, a ZX Spectrum game called Coloco. Yeah. Um, and when I first saw this, I saw, you know, the, it's a, a, a game featuring the Mojang Twins MK1 engine, which... Sorry to, to to throw this out there. Mojang Twins do a ton of work. They make a ton of games for a ton of different systems. I've never really clicked with any of them. Yeah. However, I, this game, yeah. um, which was not done by them, to just use their engine, is fantastic. And uh, it's basically kind of like a, uh, a flip screen uh, space taxi. Whoa, there's Whoa. some music for you. Wow. Hello. There you go. Wow. So you played a lot of this too, right? I did play a lot of this. I got really far in it, which gives you that satisfying feel. Mm-hmm. Even though it wasn't easy, I got pretty far in it, kind of using my muscle memory from Space Taxi. Yep. Uh, so I I did get very... I'd love to keep revisiting this, try to beat it. So if you guys haven't played Space Taxi, it's uh, kind of a better version, in my opinion, of like a lunar lander where you... you right. You press one button to shoot your engine, and then you're fighting gravity. And, of course, you go left and right, and you're trying to get through these caves in Coloco here um, and uh, collect keys and, and do different things, and land the on graphics, different pads. The graphics in this are amazing. I mean, for a ZX Spectrum, I love the graphics in this. The colors, uh, the, the, the the detail on the ship, the animation when it turns. Yeah. No, I think it's just a comp- very, very well done game. Yep, and I had a blast. blast playing it. Absolutely. So, I want to tell you about an almost failure of Uh-oh. Kickstarter. I four years ago I kickstarted this Mother to Earth documentary. Mother to Earth, okay. And it was due in 2018, and I waited and I waited. And the only good thing about that is that they did keep releasing uh, updates, like, "Hey, we're still doing this. We're still getting interviews. We're still doing this and that." So they did stay in touch with everybody. Gotcha, gotcha. And it looks like it barely made its goal. Yep, it barely made its goal way back then. But the cool thing is they released it just a week ago, at least to me. They released it for like some viewing parties and some viewing things, but I was able to download it and actually slap it on my Plex server and able to watch it. And I haven't watched it yet. I've watched about 15 minutes of it. But it is a documentary about Mother, which is the game that Earthbound is based on. And it was the uh, Famicom game, right? The Famicom, yeah. Or NES, if you want but to call But they it. cover them all. Mother, Mother 2, and Mother 3. Okay. <clears throat> so, it, and then they talk about the wh- how they brought them over here, how Nintendo brought it over here, and how that all that worked out. And I love Earthbound. I think it's a fantastic game. I haven't game. played it. I've been meaning to. It's one of those games that... Um, I've started and stopped many times, but the last <laughs> time I did, I made my way th- almost through the end. And you really need the, when you when you bought Earthbound in the store, it came with a 
it comes with a player's guide, which is like a manual, but yes, it's like a okay. magazine almost. But it's thick. It's a big player's guide. And when you bought Earthbound, it came with it. You really, my, the reasons in the past that I failed to play much through it, you really need the player's guide. Okay. I mean, you don't need it, I guess, but you really should have, it enhances the experience. Oh, really? Okay. Because you read through it and it tells you where in the city things are. So you don't feel like you're cheating. Are. It's not cheating. It's like part of the game. Yeah, that's so, cool. So... You can down. I don't have a real one, obviously. I don't have a real copy of Earthbound, but I went and downloaded the PDF for Earthbound, and I enjoyed it so much the last time I played it. And this this documentary is about it. It looks like it's a pretty well done documentary too. So you haven't watched it all the way through yet? Not yet. No, but I did finally get it, so I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. Yeah. Your money was not lost to the wind. That's right. Uh, real quick, we uh, both talked about the Retro Fighters Dreamcast controller. You got one. I do. Yeah. Which you, I think you thought it was quite swell. Oh, it's awesome. Love um, it. In September 2020, hey, that's this month, um, they are releasing, I guess they haven't done it now because it still says pre-order, the new color versions. So the current one you have, I think, is gray only. Um, And now they have ones with the translucent red, green, or blue front or an all-black one. Now, I don't know about you, the red, green, and blue colors were official Dreamcast controller colors. They were, yeah. And uh, I always had the blue one. So when this comes out, I've been meaning to get one of these anyways. When this comes out, I'm going to get blue because that, to me, that is Dreamcast because that's what I grew up with. That's, that's great. That's what I had. I love that they came out with these colors. Black one looks cool. Black one looks cool. It does. But mine is white. Well, actually, the black one would, would work because it has that sports one. They have that sports Dreamcast, right? Which was all black. That's right. But uh, mine, my controller is white with gray accent. It's not just gray. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. mine's original Dreamcast uh, white. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't. The Striker DC is an. Um, I love it. It is a great controller. I think this the company is hitting it out of the park. I do have the their Nintendo sixty four one. The and brawler. I, the brawler sixty four. Yeah. I, I put on Twitter. It's breathed new life into the system for me. And yeah. I never had a huge problem with the last one. At least I didn't think I did. But now that I'm playing these games with that controller, I like don't want to stop. Yeah, that's the way I felt too. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. So cool. highly suggested. Anything at this point by Retro Fighters, they've all been great. I'm not going to go on to this next one until we open another beer, because we got short change. We got one little bit. We got a half a beer, and it's gone. So go ahead and open a beer. I'm going to let you choose this time, Eric. I wanna, I'm want i intrigued by this one that's it's called Panty. Are we going to do another <laughs> small one here? Yeah, yeah, you want to do that? Sure. Let's do that. All right. So this is another one Tim Drew, our uh, cohort in the UK, sent us, and it's literally called Panty, and there's a picture of a man in his uh, skivvies on it. That scares me a little. Now, Eric, I didn't tell you something before we started recording. Is it about panties? Uh, well, I mean, I guess by virtue of what we're talking about with the beer, maybe. Um, so, right before September started, like the day before September started, okay. for whatever reason, God laid it on my heart to not drink beer this month. Okay. And so, I promised I wouldn't do any beer this month except for, for the show. So, these are the first beers I've had in, well, it's only been eight days, but still... Beer is so good, and I miss it so much. Oh, yeah. And then after the show, I'm not going to drink until the end of September, so. Oh, yeah. So, That's crazy. this is something. That's good this for you, This is something. Man. All right, so let me tell you this 6% Panty. Um, it's by a brewery called Oedipus, and it's a stout. It is a stout. And it, uh, that's all it really says on here. Panty stout. Panty stout. <laughs> what else do you need to know, Eric? Exactly. All Cheers. Right. Cheers, my friend. It does smell like a stout. All right. So go ahead and give us some tasting notes. I'm going to go ahead and come up with a rating scale on this bad boy. 
Um, Ooh. Ooh. Mm, we haven't done a stout in a while. It's, it's still very hot here. It's uh, 106 today here in, in California. 106 degrees. In that's Northern crazy. California, yeah, yes. That's intense. Um, I'm going to let you sip now because... So typically uh, a stout would be a nice winter beer, but... Right. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and throw out of 88 silk stockings, <laughs> Silk Eric. stockings, okay. Um, I This, to me... It doesn't have the thickness of like a traditional winter style stout to me. It tastes a little um, thin, but it does have a lot of flavor. And I think it's got a lot of like, I can taste it. I could taste a little cocoa nibs. Cocoa nibs. Um, oh, you got that cocoa nibs. It's got a great flavor, I think. Um, it's very, it's actually for a stout, it's pretty easy drinking to me. It does have a lot of flavor. I do, there's a little something astringent on the end. Really? I mean, but maybe that's just because I haven't had beer in a while. I, I'm, I'm digging good. it. It's I'm good. digging it. I haven't had a stout in a long time either, so. It's a bit nutty. It's a, well, it's a stout. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit nutty. It's not a peanut butter stout, but it's a stout. All right, out of 88 silk stockings, Eric. Yep, I'm going to give it a solid 70 flat. 70. Okay. okay. That's pretty high. That's, yeah. That's, um, I'm going to give it. I don't want to go as low as 65. I'll do 68, Eric. So we're, pretty, we're, we're in the ballpark there. Yeah. Good solid stout. Panty. If it got rid of that little astringent thing at the end, I can do a lot better, but... Right Anyways, on. Okay, so... Thank you, Tim, for sending us panties. I am going to ask you to bring up the, the link there for this next one, but there are five... Count it. Five. One, two, three, four. Five. New upcoming ah, games ah, for the Dreamcast. Ah, ah. Five Dreamcast games. <laughs> ah, oh, ah. nice. Uh, me to... <laughs> wow, Cody. And the two on here that, to me, look the most interesting are Intrepid Izzy and Arcade Racing Legends. They all look good. Uh, the, the slave one was... Uh, uh, first-person shooter, right? This one, yeah, this was called Slave 2017. I thought it looked really cool. It's like a, it almost looks like a vector-based, like vector-based, almost like Tron, kind of like Tron style graphics, but it is a 3D shooter. Um, I think it looks amazing. So uh, that looks it, really cool. Yeah, and, and then, then we have Xenocider. Yep, which is kind of like a space. Yeah, is that a? It's going to be. Is it? I thought this was like a shooter. Yeah. There you go. Like on rails space, almost. On rails space shooter, yeah. Yeah. Which um, later on in the next, next episode, the next we're going to do a battle of system between a couple of on rails shooters. And this actually looks like it'd be right in the same genre, even um, very similar styles. Yeah. It looks cool. There's a guy riding a little uh, hoverboard thing, fire shooting at stuff, and he can move left and right. It looks good. Does. So, so take a look at the graphics on this. So, the, you know, Dreamcast wasn't known for its platforms, really. No, they, uh, on the Dreamcast, they were doing a lot of full-on 3D stuff. They didn't do very much 2D, except, again, a few in Japan that yeah. were great. But, yeah, this is a um, little side-scrolling, um, I guess, a platformer slash shooter slash run-and-gun action platformer. Yep. And it's almost got kind of two like 2.5d graphics i guess they call it like right where it's it's not flat 2d it's kind of yeah, like a, I, you a know i think it's flat i would say it's flat 2d but yeah the sprites are made to look like you're looking at an angle yeah um but they are like they look like hand-drawn but really well done it looks really smooth looks uh, very smooth. i can tell you right now just looking at this without going any further this is this is a game that's being developed in europe yeah i'll do you tell say you that, that right now uh just the concept that 
she has to pick up like a million gems in every level. <laughs> that is so European. It really is. Like in Mario, you know, you got three three coins in a row, but from in Europe it's like there's twelve coins that you have to jump and get here, and then you have twelve coins on the next platform, then thirteen coins on the right. next and I guess the see the parallax scrolling. I mean, I guess that's why I kind of call it two point five D. Is it's uh, I don't know. It just g- gives you a little bit of depth for it a platformer. Great. But it, it this great. looks to me like one of the better ones. But the next one looks really great too, and that's Arcade Racing Legends. Uh, this one's going to be a big deal, I think. Yeah. Okay. I did. Um, I, I did take a peek at these ahead of time. So. Yeah. Yeah. This one looks very much like a. Ah. Um, uh, what it, almost like a Ridge Racer to me. Right. And when, I love Ridge Racer on the PS1. Ooh, and they even have the taxi from Crazy Taxi in here. That's cool. Yep. Uh, what I like about this um, is also the split-screen two-player top and bottom. Yeah. Which you lose that in a lot of games nowadays. Um, the cars look great. And Oh, and the car from Daytona. All right, this is a straight-up like love letter to right. to fans of Dreamcast classics. So. Arcade Racing Legends. There's a Bugatti Baron you could be as. It's like an Ariel Atom. I don't know how much people, car people are here, but uh, that looks almost like a Scion. There's a, a, a Zagonda. There's a DeLorean. There's a Batmobile. All right, so they've got like legit... Um, kind of like OutRun had a quote-unquote not Ferrari. Yeah. This has a not a lot of things. <laughs> right. All right, that looks amazing. There's Corvette. I mean, the not Corvette. And then Xenocrisis. Xenocrisis! Which is a pl- showing up on everything. Yeah, I thought that's already came out on Dreamcast, but I guess not. Um, the green- Dreamcast version is supposed to be the best version, but I'm really excited to get a physical cartridge for my uh, Evercade, so that's where I'm going to get it. I'll probably find a way to get the Dreamcast one as well. And I bought this on Switch, but I, I kind of... Oh, that's true. That's true. I'll, I'll get that one. I kind of want to wait and just kind of play it on the Evercade to, like, to really get into it. I mean, I did play it and got pretty far, but I think oh, I'll really dig so it good. on the Evercade. It's like a Smash TV top-down arena shooter, but looks really good. So anyway, if you're a Dreamcast fan, you have a lot to look forward to in the coming year. And if you're not a Dreamcast fan, stop listening to my show. <laughs> exactly. I, Dreamcast is amazing, and uh, I'm pretty sure everyone listening here has some respect for it. Um, Let's Eric, talk. this is news. Yeah. So when I saw this, and I'm like, it's just a game that's coming out, and it's just a port, so who really cares, except it's one of my favorite games, and one of your favorite games, Eric. Absolutely. And that is uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remastered is coming out to all the new systems. Which, yeah, I mean, in this news, and uh, here it is. Here it is in the flesh. Eric, I bought it. I already ran out and grabbed it. I bought it maybe like two or three three days ago, I think I grabbed, went out and grabbed it. Haven't had a lot of time to play it, but... It is a lot more than just graphics, like, updated. Oh, really? Okay, they, I didn't even look into it. I'm like, I will own that, regardless changed, of what's in there. They have you, things you love, like uh, the challenges are built in. So, like, the trophies on the PlayStation and challenges. Okay. yeah. They have a whole sec- section now of just challenges and oh, things. Oh, cool. So, the shop and menu system, uh, the little add-ons to the game are all revamped and, and redone. The game in its essence is the same, but they do smooth out a lot of the controls and a lot of the camera stuff. So, like, with the other stick, you can kind of look up a little and down, so there's a little more uh, flexibility. A little more Um, user-friendly. I haven't played it a ton yet, so I'll have more to report, I'm sure, in the future. But Tony Hawk 2 was probably... It is definitely my favorite skateboarding game of all time. Yeah, but it's good. It would rank in my top ten games of all time to me in my personal cat. And I couldn't pick between two, three, and four, but they're all. I mean, <laughs> I love, those three games are amazing. Yeah, Tony Hawk One has a special place in my heart because uh, when I first got my Dreamcast, and this was in college. Yeah, 
um, keep in mind. And I was a college student, and I barely had enough money to buy a Dreamcast. And so I had a lot of game. I had a lot of copies of games. Yeah. Eric. Uh, you know, backups. And I had Tony Hawk 1. You backed up your friend's copy. Yeah. And I had Tony Hawk 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really not uh, nearly as good. You can tell it was the beginning of something great. Yeah. But the levels were not uh, open world. They were from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. You kind of had to go down these chutes every time. But... It was the only game besides a Mario game that I've ever got my wife into with me. Oh, so we, wow. At That's that time, neat. we got we played that whole game, and uh, it got to the point where if we made one mistake, my wife would yell, start, restart! Because we had to like <laughs> pause it and then restart, come up and you hit go, and yeah. I can hear that noise in my head, just ding-kong, ding-kong, that, that um, yeah. restart sounds. Anyways, Tony Hawk 1 and 2, awesome. Real quick note on that. I saw a video on the line uh, in honor of the release of this game, mm-hmm. uh, some of Tony Hawk's cronies his crew whoever they are yeah uh went to his uh you know personal home skate ramp yeah and took a whole bunch of balloons with the letters skate and a videotape and like i saw them from fishing line he actually went out and like collected them all and they had put the sound effects in yeah i thought it was pretty fun yeah um cool Cool, cool, cool. So the next one is uh, Tiny Bobble on the Amiga. So you remember Tiny Galaga, which yep. was really cool. It's a black and white kind of mini version of Galaga. On the Amiga, yep. And it was fantastic. Tiny Bobble is is a full color version of Bubble Bobble, but it is much more arcade accurate than Bubble than the original Bubble Bobble that was on the Amiga. Gotcha. And it is really good. It's a blast. And it is... Um, I played maybe about... 20 levels yeah and it was this is about a fifth of the game beautiful game i mean this they they really put their work in a lot of bonus uh, like that weren't in the uh, amiga port uh this basically fixes everything that was kind of lacking in the amiga port cool it's a port yep but still i mean it's still yeah. hey so uh, i'm not again, gonna look, if I'm, you're a new listener to the show yeah. i don't love ports yeah. um i figure if you're gonna make a game make a new game do something different but uh, it does look great. It looks like a good port of the game. When I saw Tiny Galaga and how different it was and what they did to change it, right. loved it. It was yeah. a cool like, D-make or they try to change stuff. When I saw Tiny Bobble, I was expecting something like that. So to see a straight port, uh, unless I'm missing something, it just looks like a straight port. And I'm kind of bummed that they called it Tiny Bobble and got my hopes up. <laughs> but they should just call it you know, Bubble Bobble Remastered or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Uh, I highly recommend it. Yep, whoever did it, well done. It looks really good. Yep. Um, moving on to me. Oh, King of Fighters R2 is released on the Switch. Do you know King of Fighters R2? Oh, I do. Yeah. So for those who don't know, King of Fighters... Fi- King of Fighters. Fighters. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, King of Fighters R2 is a Neo Geo pocket game where they specifically took uh, you know, the Neo Geo fighting game, King of Fighters, and they made everybody short and chibi and made them fit on the little tiny Neo Geo pocket screen. And it's still, even with two buttons and the uh, cool clicky D-pad or arcade stick thing you got on the pocket, uh, is a highly regarded great fighting game, mm-hmm. even in that mode. Uh, so they took that game, put on the Switch, which is kind of unique that they're putting Neo Geo pocket games for sale on the Switch. I think it was seven ninety nine. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Now, I love the chibi, the little mini chibi fighters, because mm-hmm. they do take a genre and simplify it, so it's just pure fun. Like, you're just jumping around, trying to kick and hit each other. It almost is like a, f- a hybrid between a fighter and a brawler. Um, 
I, I, I dig it. And I've played this one on Can my Neo Geo it? Pocket a lot, and it's a great game. I don't know if I'll grab the Switch one because I have a Neo Geo Pocket Color, but yep. if you don't have one, it's a great option. Agreed. Um, Tim has the next one here. Tim. Uh, t- Tim. Yes. <laughs> Tim. Yes. In your English accent. I can't do an English accent. <laughs> oh, it's fun to make you try. <laughs> what, is, what is the next item here on our news? Moose life. See, mm-hmm. I can't do- uh, Make a moose noise. I don't even know what they sound like. Moose <laughs> noise. <laughs> moose life by Llamasoft. Now available on Steam for PC with VR support. Will eventually come out on PS4 with PSVR support. Another crazy shooter from Jeff and Giles. A bargain for $8. I, I don't know anything about this. Moose Life by Llamasoft. Now, so Llamasoft, I know Tim Jeff really likes, yeah, likes, really loves Llamasoft. So it Let's looks watch trippy. a little here on, on Steam. So honestly, I haven't really dug into Jeff Mittner's stuff, except for, of course, all the um, uh, Tempest games, yeah. which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he loves to do these far out, like, uh, particle vector-based crazy over-the-top games and this one looks absolutely like that it almost looks like very chaotic you no know it looks like it's centipede if you were if first person centipede yeah is what it looks like it does and uh, i know the music i can't even hear it right now but i'm sure the music is insane in fact let's just do that there you go here's our music yeah and there's particles everywhere and scores flying everywhere and it looks like a blast and of course there's like a neon colored moose on this one and you can tell the VR, it's like you have a heads-up display of, like, your score and words, but just crazy. I really want a PSVR for games like this. Yeah. I mean, it's... <clears throat> it would be fun. Tetris Effect and this, like, simple games that just being in there with that would just blow your mind. Yeah. Um, and I don't think this one would make you sick, because you're not turning much. It's more just seeing things coming at you and having a depth of field to go in, up, around, between them. Right. Um, that looks really cool. Thanks for sending that in, J- Tim. Yeah. Now, speaking of Jeff Mintner, my next item here is also Jeff Mintner related. Wow. Um, We're Jeff heavy. Yeah, because, I don't know if you saw this, but his game uh, Polybius, mm-hmm. which you've heard of, have you heard about, you've, we've talked about it before. I've heard the legend, yeah. The legend of Polybius, which the game, the movie, if I'm not mistaken, um, The Last Starfighter was kind of based on. Right. That these games, there's only a couple sent out there, and they weren't just a video game, Eric. They were a game put out there to test your skills. And if you were good enough at the game, you could be recruited by an actual space... Recruited. ...program to go fight some aliens that the Earth was not aware of. To be the last starfighter. In reality. um, So anyways, the game Polybius uh, is being released as a quarter-scale arcade cab. Oh. Um by a company here called Numskull Designs. And if you look in the back, it looks like they've released a couple other games, quarter scale. But it's pretty cool because they made they made a full quarter scale Plebeus cabinet here. And I guess some of the uh, myths and legends here, you can see it even yeah. reference The Simpsons, um, are kind of uh, touched on here because instead of having a normal loading screen or a waiting screen um, for when you're not um, playing the game, attract mode, there you go, that's what I was looking for. They have this crazy hypnotic like um, thing on here that was, I guess, that's part of the uh, the whole myth behind it is that it was calling you in or something, right? Um, so that runs in the background. They've got hats available. They've got all kinds of stuff. And what is kind of neat is if you do own a bunch of these cabs from them already, uh, they took this one and threw a whole bunch of USB hubs in there, so you can daisy chain all your all your 
arcade together on one wall with a bunch of it becomes the the power hub oh wow kind of cool yeah there is that um oh i wanted to touch on this one since we were just talking about the neo geo cart and you have one made by flash master i do i do uh now the reason i got turned on the flash master is i was looking at that cart but i was also looking at their the only existing um wonder swan uh sd cart solution which was made by flash master but they were out of production right then and i said you know let us know if you want one we'll look into it you can put you on our waiting list so i got an email uh, about a week two weeks ago asking me if I wanted to be one of the ones to buy one of their new production carts uh, that were in beta, and they said they're pretty sure it's 100% ready to go. They just want to send out 20 to people who are on the list Yeah, and see if... Um, did you get on there? I didn't bec- because of other reasons. What? Uh, I do want to get one. Regardless, they're already past the beta, and now they are back uh, up and running, and you can buy Wonderswan SD cards to put all the Wonderswan games you want can want on a game cartridge here uh it is kind of like your flash master flash master you can't load it with everything you want it can have 16 games at a time on it 16 is not bad yeah especially what? especially because there's only like 16 english games for the wonder swan right the neo geo pocket <laughs> color you can only have two on there if it's not a uh, one of the bigger games so that's 16 is quite a bit though that's not yeah. bad that's not bad yep it says right now it says we have 30 carts available but we're going to be making more so the funny thing is, for something like this, which I know is going to be a very limited thing, I almost feel like I should jump in on that, even though I don't have a Wonder Swan. Because yeah, someday yeah. I probably want to get one. Well, and this is one of those things where the Wonder Swan, the basic Wonder Swans, which I do recommend anybody get, even if it's just one of the black and white ones, because they're very Japanese. They're very. Yeah. You've seen a couple of mine. Yeah. They come in these really bright candy colors. They're only like twenty, twenty-five bucks. Yeah. Uh, this cart is like a hundred. So you can buy like three or four Wonder Swans and this cart, and the cart would still cost more than a Wonder Swan. <laughs> right. But the one you really want is a Wonder uh, Wonder Swan Crystal, which is not better, only just better than the color one, but it has a lit screen so you can see it. Okay. Um, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not lit. It's just very clear. Um. So and that's those go for like a hundred bucks. Gotcha. So, anyways, if you want to hear more about Wonder Swan, go listen to one of our earlier episodes. I don't have it in front of me, but I do a whole thing on the Wonder Swan. Uh, Tim, you have some more news for us. Yes, I do. Uh, See, ooh, I can't. That was per- you sounded like Stewie. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, so, the future was 8-bit, which is a friend of the show, friend of Tim. I didn't think it, Tim's part of he's it. He's half right? of it. Yeah, he's half of it. So, there is a four... I don't even know how to say that right, because I'm so un-British. Four pound 99? Four pound 99 pence. Is that right? I don't think you say the pence part, but yes, that's right. I'm going to say it. Sure, there you go. Um, now do it with your Stewie accent. <laughs> They have a 4.99 range of tape games now available. New titles and re-releases of some familiar names with new artwork and available on new formats. And so if you guys don't know, <clears throat> the future was 8bit.com is where you go and they have all kinds of classic microcomputer goodies for the Commodore, for the Spectrum. I've bought a lot of things from them and they've given us a lot of stuff from the show and Yeah, absolutely so. And a lot of their stuff like the penultimate cartridge for the Vic 20. So it's a cool. must have. Must have. Must have. Yes. Um, so they are, uh, the new ones are Crazy Blaster, now comes to the Specky and the Amstrad. Pump Kid, which I know is a oh, favorite of yours. That's, I, that is my favorite VIC-20 game. I, don't, I haven't played it yet. It's my favorite VIC-20 game. That's all no, I have to say Do you have it on cartridge? No, I do not. Yeah, but it's not on the penultimate, right? No, I downloaded it. 
Okay, so you just loaded up from the SD2 I, I put it onto my, yeah, on my okay. penultimate, but using an, an SD card. I'm going to have to do the same and try that out. Angry Dude for C16 plus four. Gotcha. Um, reformatted um, onto single formats for Rodman on VIC-20, C64, Speccy, MSX, Amstrad, C16 plus four. I think Rodman, along with uh, uh, Stefan Vogt's um, Castle Robinstein game, yeah. those two games have to be ported to the most... right classic computers right. for any game in the last like two years now and there'll be a link in the show notes that shows you i think there's some kind of commercial for the 499 yeah it's, and they did a great job putting this commercial together it's really good but yeah they, the games look great yeah um I, the packaging is great to this day i've never successfully or hardly ever even tried to load a game from cassette right on any system but they look great and i would own these for for five pounds basically which is like seven american dollars they look great great labels on them uh they're all color-coded here's every version of rob man so <laughs> yeah. if you want the plus four c16 version it's pink if you want this amstrad cpc version which i have one of those now eric uh it's green um when you go there ship minus one is on here yeah you didn't mention that one nope. um but you know i, I for, out of all these games uh i mean rod man is is a great game you guys have Love that one uh, a Pumpkin, lot, yeah. but Pumpkin, I love that game. Yeah. Um, they also he didn't mention they also have some cool uh, mouse pads now. Yeah, including this one here that shows their entire range of four ninety nine games on one mouse pad, which looks really cool. So, and if you do buy something from them, tell them Pixel Guidance sent you. <laughs> Pixel Guidance <laughs> sent me. And they're like, great. We'll add four dollars. Can four, you tell four pounds? Do you think you could tell me something about the Neo Geo MSVX countertop arcade? Well, I'm glad you asked, Eric. I'm just curious. We're in Segway heaven right now. This is that was clean. That <laughs> clean. was crisp, smooth. We're professionals. <laughs> well, I can tell you about the Neo Geo MSVX multi-video game system, Eric. I, I do want to tell you the one thing. I was reading through the Discord, like there was some guy on there. Um, I think he was a first listener of the show. But he gave us a little shout-out in the Discord, and he was like, oh, I just listened to an episode, and I loved it. It was very professional. And I did laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't R-O-F-L? Uh, no, uh, maybe. Roll, wait, what, did you roll all over the floor uh, while you were laughing? No, I, I don't think I quite did that. I, <laughs> but uh, I did laugh. I was like, well, professional? I don't think we've ever been accused of that. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, it, go ahead. Continue. It's professional how you guys had five beers on air in a row. <laughs> it's very professional. professional. Um all right, so this is another... These things are getting everywhere. Yeah. But Neo Geo themselves have released a number of retro products, and yeah. they've all been rather disappointing. Yes. Up to this point, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you kind of liked some, but... I did. In general... I did have my complaints. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This one does look cool. It's another countertop arcade cab, but yeah. it is a straight-up Neo Geo countertop, full-size countertop, and then, you know, if you took an arcade and cut it in half... Um, well, I, it's probably three-quarter scale, but um, but this is, you know, it's got, it looks like Neo Geo. It's got the red and white stripes, which in America, that's Neo Geo. It's got the marquee with like four games up here. And it's I got read speakers. it's a, it's it's a got, light up, it's a light up marquee. Light up marquee. It's got coin slots <clears throat> down here. Yeah, slick. Which are, which are cool. So when you want to put coins in, you actually hit the coin shop slot button. Uh, thing, this thing isn't cheap, but you're also not getting one game or three games like you were with like the arcade one up. You're getting, uh, I think it's like 25 Neo, no, 50. 50 Neo Geo masterpieces. And does that, it says base included, that includes the stand-up base? Um, both MVS and AES mode supported. Bring back the life of the golden age. Where do you see base included? 
Right there at the bottom. You are right. You are right, if, sir. If that's the case, five hundred bucks isn't that bad. So there, no. So that's if I remember correctly, I think it was four hundred or five hundred with, with the base. Now the base is is so cool. You all go look it up yourself. Do you have a link in our show notes? I don't want to dig through this whole thing on air. Um, but the base is so cool. The top is twenty five inches tall. The base is thirty two, and the base it looks it's a full on. Um, it's got coin slots. It's got the metal bezel here. It's got the little doors for your quarters to fall out. It's even got the unlocking door below it for the uh, for the person who's running the arcade to open it up and pull the the money they made out of the machine. <clears throat> it looks legit. Uh, there you go. MSRP is four basically four hundred fifty bucks by itself. Ninety nine dollars for the base or save fifty dollars if you buy them together. So just do that. If I did get this, that's um, cool. <clears throat> if I did get this, I would. I do think I would leave the Neo Geo guts in it, but I would want to almost find a way to slap a tiny little Raspberry Pi in yeah, there. Of course. And see if there was a way I could make a switch to just switch over to like the uh, MAME stuff, but I wouldn't want to get rid of the Neo Geo stuff. It looks really good. It looks really good. Yeah. Um, we'll see how well it's built and all that, but uh, this looks like the de facto Neo where to, Geo solution. Where to buy? Where do you buy that? Where do, you, um, where do you buy that bad well, boy? Release date is November 2020, so I guess we'll figure out that. They do have a button right here on this link at like up there SNKMVSX.com. Is there going to be local place in the U.S.? Well, let's find out right now. USA, Canada. And if you're not here, then um, press on the other button here. But it doesn't, uh, doesn't even do anything. Wow. No, it doesn't do anything yet. So, all right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. Okay, cool. What's next in the news, Eric? What is next in the news? Uh, a little game that we played a whole lot of. Well, yeah, so we did, because this came out, and <clears throat> I think I saw it first out of our little group, uh, but it is Jetpack RX. And so what threw me, first of all, was I thought this would just be a ROM you could just download and play, or buy and play, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It was a patch file. Well, if he packaged <laughs> up the original ROM, that would be correct. So copyright issues. So, that yeah. makes sense. So he released a little patch. And it took me forever to figure out how to install the patch. I mean, not forever, but um, it it basically had to inst- download an emulator, and the emulator has this built-in function to patch ROMs to add cheats and stuff like that. But you can also add modifications. So once I had all that figured out, I did buy this. I patched the original Jetpack because I love Jetpack. But this has so many cool features. Let me pause you real quick. Yeah. For those who don't know, Jetpack is a classic top mm-hmm. five zx spectrum game which is a microcomputer in, in england and yep. europe and stuff and uh you and i both do have one here thanks to tim yeah and uh i think uh, rod helped you out on your first one right he did yes the, the entire team at the future was eight but helped us out they on did these, yes but, yes so this is a classic um arcade sh- <laughs> arcade action and amazing spectrum because game. it will actually play on a 16k zx spectrum the original jetpack and this modified one too right i think so yeah yeah yeah, but you know, I played on my forty-eight K, and um, I mean, Cody plays it on his next. I mean, it plays on just about anything. But it adds—you'll have to help me remember everything. New, new power-ups, the alternating platforms. Um, <clears throat> I mean, those are the primary two things I remember. But it changed the gameplay dramatically. Even just changing the platforms, so you didn't play the same levels every single time. Yeah was huge for me it is it's already one of my favorite spectrum games but now this is like the de facto way to play it no i I 100 agree uh new sound effects um it it you can spell extra to get extra stuff 
because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. letters drop. Uh, there's a like an invincibility drop down that makes you invincible for a little while. There's a bomb that clears the screen of all enemies. Bomb that clears the screen. There's a laser that makes your laser more powerful. Um, just so many cool new things that add, but still keep well. It still keeps the basic mechanics the same. So if you love jetpacks, you're gonna jetpack. You're gonna love this. But it really is well worth. Uh, he is asking for some money for this for the patch. It was five bucks. Five bucks. So I threw five bucks to him willingly, and he reached out. Because I was raving about it, mm-hmm. he reached out on Twitter, and we had this whole communication. And then he allowed us to play the beta for the 128k version coming out. Yeah, and uh, so it's not released yet, <clears throat> so we won't talk too much on it. But no. um, it adds a few more cool features that you know take advantage of more memory. I'm very excited about it. But Jetpack RX, look it up and get it if you love that game on the ZX Spectrum. Um, 8-Bit Doe, Eric. Yeah. My favorite controller manufacturer at this point. Yes. I love everything I've bought from them. Um, now, there's one thing that, that went on clearance like a year ago, and they sold out, and now they're going for like 200 bucks online. That's their arcade stick. And I'm, I'm bummed I did not get one. Well, the reason they stopped making it is they've recreated it, and they've added a whole bunch more features, and they're releasing it now as their new up-improved, uh, they're just calling it the 8-Bit Doe arcade stick. Yeah. Um, and it's specific for the Nintendo Switch and PC. Yeah. But it's got all kinds of uh, cool features here and buttons and and, and cool things you can configure. Doodads and, and whatnot. Doodads and whatnots aplenty. Um, buttons up the wazoo. So, so check it out. It's cool that they're remaking it. I actually think, don't think it looks quite as good as the last one, but it has a lot more features, and I'm just glad they're coming back out with it. I, I have to say... I, I do want to get one of these. I, I love the aesthetics. I, I, I think it looks fantastic. You like this better than the previous one? I do, yeah. I okay. think it looks really good. Um, Here's the previous one. Yeah, I no, I like the other. I like the new one much better. I think okay. it looks really cool. And they say it's it's moddable. Meaning that yes. it's very easy to open. You can swap it with standard Sanwa parts. Or HAP. Or HAP. If you're yep. American. Yep. I like my HAP buttons. That's um, what I grew up with. So you can add premium parts. Now, it's reasonably priced. I think it was seventy nine ninety nine. Is that right? That's how much the previous one was. This is probably about the same. Now, some guy on Twitter reached out and was like, oh, I think that's horrible. I think they should re- they should have it with... with um, premium parts already and charge more money for it's it. It's 89.99 yeah. on Amazon. I kind of disagree with that. I kind of like that you can get this and if you like the buttons and stick just leave it. Yeah. But if you want to you can put whatever color buttons you want, whatever stick you want. You can have a bat or the ball or whatever you want on the joystick. I I kind of like that they just leave it like this and then you just modify it however you want. So Yeah. It'd be cool if they had either two versions or an upgrade kit. That's true. That's as true. well, yeah. but but no, I don't. I don't disagree. I mean, if this thing at at eighty nine ninety nine, I'm going to consider it. If it was seventy bucks, I'd buy it right now. Yeah. If they put premium parts in it and sold it for one fifty, I wouldn't even consider it. You just get it. That's, well, no, I wouldn't. You wouldn't get it. I probably yeah. it'd be too high. I'd be like, no. But but for whatever reason, in my mind, if if I bought it for ninety mm-hmm. and then put fifty bucks in parts in it, yeah, but made it myself, that makes more sense. I don't know. So there, I, was, there was this Switch Arcade thing that I kept looking at whenever I went into Fry's Electronics, and it never went down in price, and it did already have premium parts, but it was one seventy nine ninety nine, and I just laughed at it every time I walked in and looked at it. I was like, I'd really like to have this, but there's no way I'm paying one one eighty one eighty for a controller for a controller for the Switch. You know what I mean? It, it it's just not going to happen. It is nice as does uh, Steam as well. Yeah. Um, another one from <laughs> Tim here. Yep. 
Uh, he says, not new, but worth mentioning, the new recreated Commodore 64 and Amiga PCBs from Rod Taylor. Now, I want to buy one of these. Okay. So, uh, if you guys listen back a few episodes, you'll you'll know that I recently, uh, through through work, found a uh, kind of cr- found a relationship with some guy that used to do Atari and Commodore repairs back in the eighties. Okay. And I bought all his old stuff out of his garage. Uh, got a great deal on it, and so I have a ton of Commodore boards that I've been pulling chips off of and trying to fix up. Um, and so what Rob Taylor has done here is he created uh, what he calls the 60 clone. I'm not sure what that stands for. I guess 64, 60, I don't know. Uh, but it's a brand new PCB, clean and pretty. You can get it in like uh, red, blue, or black, I believe. Um, he's also got them for the Amiga 500 and the Amiga 2000. And they're brand new motherboards for, uh, I think the the Commodore 64 one is $39.99. Yeah, cheap. And you just populate yourself. We can put brand new. I mean, you have to put on diodes and all that stuff, and you have to pull some chips off of old boards, which, again, I have tons of. And But you could socket everything if you wanted to, so yep. you could just install sockets. And I No, I think that would be a really fun project. And just to have, like, a, a solid, like, true Commodore 64 with true parts, but everything brand new with new traces, it would be solid. It would work well. Um, and then not just the fact that you get to do it all yourself. $35 for a PCB. Yeah. I think it was 30 or $40 shipped or something in America. Now, these are all the, in America, which is nice for us because usually we have to order stuff from Europe. But if you're in Europe, now you get to deal with the headaches. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, You're on the next one here, Eric. SD2 Parallel by Edu Edu Arana. Um, Edu Arana is the guy who makes the Unamiga. Oh, okay. But he now has this thing called the SD2 Parallel, which is a simple SD card solution for your Amiga. Wow. So you just plug it into the parallel port in the back, which isn't used very often on the Amiga, and you can transfer files. Now, you can't mount ADF files and things like that, but if you're trying to transfer like a new WHD load stuff to your yeah. Amiga, or, or just files transfer them back and forth, boom. You, Bob's your uncle. So I can get... <laughs> he is not my uncle, Eric. Boom, Bob's I have your no uncle. Bob uncle. <laughs> so this can replace that hideous PCMCIA thing that I use for this transferring yep. files. Correct. And yeah. I don't have to worry about the 20 pins that bend and have to... The memory management. You know how you have to juggle the memory management for... Um, Luckily, with the card of the accelerator I got, I don't. Okay. But, yes. I do. I know you do, so, and most people do. Not to and mention... I do on my 600. I'm always sweating bullets when I'm, like, putting PCMC cards because yeah. I don't want to bend those pins that are very fragile inside the Amiga 1200. So this is... This does exactly that, and it's cheap. I it's mean... 25-year... I was about to say, how is he going to keep these things in stock? Like, everyone's <laughs> going to want one of these, and sure enough, he's out of stock. I yeah. want one of these. Yeah, and so he's, he comes out batches here and there, so, I mean... Just keep hanging in there. You can get one, but I, I think it's a great solution. I'll and see the what guy else he comes the, up with the guy makes some really great products. He's got some fast RAM in here. He's got relocators for different chips in the Amiga. He's got Atari stuff. Interesting. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna leave this site up after we're done. I'm gonna peruse, my friend. Yeah. Oh, I like how he's got a little uh, yeah. Playmobil guy showing off the parts in some of these pictures. That's yeah. awesome. So anyway, Man. good guy too. I mean, I've heard him just like if you buy something, he'll support you. You can. You know, send him a message and he'll help. So, but does he give you a free piece of candy every time? You I don't buy think something? so. Oh, I don't well, think so. Sorry, <laughs> right? Lost my business. I like my free candy. Um, Next one here is by Tim. Tim, Hot Shot Hello. Racing. 
<laughs> Fashion to drink, governor. Uh, Hotshot Racing. Hotshot Racing. Vector Cell Shaded Racer from Curve Digital comes to Steam and Nintendo Switch on 10th of September. That's right around the corner. Yeah, no, I did see this. Um, well, by the time the show airs, that'll be after the show airs, or before the show airs, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it, it looks looks really cool. Uh, both Tim and I had the same game of the year last year. Uh, feel free to listen to our December episode from yeah. 2019. Uh, the year before the greatest year of all time, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and our favorite game was on the Switch. Well, we played on the Switch. But it was um, Horizon Chase Turbo. That's the game. Uh, and it looks very much like that. It's got this cool... He, he says it's vector cell-shaded. Uh, I guess that's what it... I mean, it looks... It's, it's simple, but dynamic-looking <laughs> yeah. graphics. Very colorful. Uh, Hot Shot Racing. Looks really cool. Uh, you can be a police officer and chase people down, I guess. There's obstacles in the road. You do takedowns. Um, it almost looks like Chase HQ slash... Um, What's that game you love? The Burnout. Burnout, yeah. Burnout, but done in like uh, vector cell shaded graphics and stuff. It looks really cool. Eight players online. That's cool. There's more uh, combat and banging into each other involved. I want fast, immediate fun. It does offer fast, immediate fun. That's what I want. And then the last item here, which is also by Tim, yeah. um, which I actually had listed as well, um, but Tim found it as well, and that is for those who own a ZX Spectrum Next... Like myself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Excuse me. Um, There's a new game coming out. Pre-orders are actually out right now. It's called Bikers. And it, uh, he says, it looks like a super hang-on type racing game, work in progress at the moment by Cavern Games. You can follow them on Twitter for updates at Cavern Games. And uh, uh, anytime there's a new game coming out for the ZX Spectrum Next specifically, that's exciting to me. Um, I've never been a huge... Uh, fan of of these kind of um, like super hang on and uh, yeah super hang on and uh, outrun what do you call it super scalar games yeah they've always added there's something weird about them to me but it does look like a super scalar Sega style game with um, motorcycles cool pretty cool and Eric that my friend is the news yay yay I'll see some applause here for us All right, now that the news is done, Eric, we are going to take a little break while the listeners check out a few segments. Uh, we've got Eric's Take. Yeah. And what are you talking about this month? I, uh, I'm doing a new little segment called First Look, where I, right yeah. when I buy something, I'm going to explain what it is, how I got it, and uh, this month is going to be on the Amiga CD32, the one in last month, the one that uh, Tim Drew Tim sent Drew me. Tim Drew gifted you. That was yeah. amazing. So that was amazing. I'm and excited to hear that. I've been very happy with it, but it's my first take, my first looks at it. And then we also got the boy we just mentioned. Yeah. The the man wonder. <laughs> uh, the man tea wonder. time with Tim. Yes. Uh, in which he's going to talk about backup devices from the 80s, um, specifically the action replay for the Commodore 64 and... Things like that. Which, which is delicious. Uh, I'm still learning it about because I am but a youngin'. I love the action replay. It's it's still versatile even today. See, I never, in my mind, the action replay, because I'm younger, I'm mm-hmm. 37 for the listeners who may have just joined us this this month, uh, whereas Eric has a few extra years on me and remembers the 80s a little better than I do. Like uh, Aaron on uh, Amigos, I'm pushing 65. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? That's what Boat always says. Boat always <laughs> overestimates his age. I love it. Um 
and forgets my name. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, to me, the action replay started with like um, uh, Nintendo sixty four. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I remember ever hearing it. Before that, it was the Game Genie. Yeah, and yet on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo, that was a Game Genie. Action replay was later. Right, but you're telling me the action replay was earlier. It That's was, right. It was with the eight bit computers, Commodore sixty four. Well, let's take a listen to that, and we'll catch you guys up in just a second uh, to hear about six good games that Eric and I are going to talk to you live on Pixel Gaiden. Is this your idea of a great adventure game? Or is this... Introducing the Amiga CD32, the world's first 32-bit game machine. Years in development, Commodore's advanced graphics architecture chips allow... This month on Eric's Take, I wanted to kind of start a new type of segment called First Look, which will cover a recently acquired piece of hardware or game that I haven't quite had the time to delve into, but I wanted to talk about its history and acquisition before I deeply dove into it. And this month I want to cover the Amiga CD32, which I know the term holy grail is used a lot, but this is a system that I've wanted for probably a good 10 years and could never find a really good deal on it. They were very rare here in the United States, uh, mostly sold in Europe and Canada, uh, I, ha- I knew someone back in the day, not back in the day, actually, I'm sorry. I knew someone probably about, I don't know, 12, 15 years ago that had one. And uh, I've always just wanted one. For those of you who might not know what the Amiga CD32 is, it is basically a consoleized Amiga 1200. It has the AGA chipset. And it's pretty much just an Amiga 1200 that has a CD player on it. So that's how you load the games. Uh, It has joystick ports on it. And it basically came with these uh, game pads that look kind of like boomerangs. And uh, they're often derided among gamers that they weren't very good. Um, Luckily, uh, this Amiga CD32 that I received from Tim Drew Sanction, which is our co-host on Pixel Gaiden, he sourced, uh, or I don't know if he sourced it or if it came with it when he found this particular CD32, but he found a third-party controller, which is a really nice one and works really well, and which I'll be talking about, too. Now I want to take a quick visual inspection and kind of describe what the Amiga CD32 looks like and all the ports that are on it. But first, I did get a very interesting question from Cody, uh, the, another co-host on Pixel Gaiden, that said, well, if an Amiga 1200 can play most of the games that are on the CD32, if not all of them, then what's the point of having the CD32? And it's a good question because if you have um, an Amiga 1200 that is capable of running WHD load, you can actually download uh, almost all the CD32 games and play them. And what you might lack is some of the CD audio, like some of the soundtracks. Um, 
But, you know, I did think about this question quite a bit. And I guess the difference is that you plug this into a TV and you launch your game. There's no workbench. Uh, well, there technically probably is behind the scenes, but you never see it. You just go right into the game. And I think there's something very neat about that, as well as collecting CD32 games, which uh, Tim included three um, discs in their little disc uh, trays. There, There's just something to having a ready system plugged in. You pop a game in, you play it. A lot of the CD32 games were... were um, changed from the Amiga 1200 originals to, like I said, include CD audio, but they also include streamlined menus because there is no keyboard. Um, so I, I guess in a way it is a slightly different system because the games operate in, the, in a different way. I just think it's pretty neat to have that tactile feel of games on disc, which as you know, as you may not know, the Amiga 1200, it did have a CD peripheral eventually, but it was not um, it was it was not popular at all. It wasn't. I don't want to say it was popular. It was very hard to find, and when you did find it, it was very expensive. So people didn't put the CD players on their Amiga 1200s very much. So just loading a game from CD is pretty novel for an Amiga game. Also, CD32 games support uh, two buttons on the controller. So many of the games take advantage of that for different functions in the game or or whatever. Not to mention the controllers. You could put a music CD in the in the um, CD32 and play that. And the controls, you can use the controller to control, you know, play and fast forward and all those kind of things. So let's describe the CD32 first, and then I'll talk about the controller that I have. So like I said, Tim Drew sent this to me from... The UK, which I am eternally grateful for. Uh, so obviously it's a PAL system. They did sell these in Canada. Uh, so there are NTSC versions of this. But, and I didn't know this until I did a little bit of research, you can hold down the two buttons on the mouse. You can plug a mouse into the joystick ports on this. You can hold down the two buttons just like on the Amiga 1200, and you can switch between PAL and NTSC. And I didn't know that, so I thought that was pretty neat. But anyway, let's, think, let's talk about this, because it is significantly smaller width-wise and depth-wise than an Amiga 1200, which an Amiga 1200 is pretty large. Um, so it is smaller, but on the top is a is a tray that you manually open up and down and you pop your CDs in to play the game. There is a reset button. There is lights for disk activity and power, and there is a little slider for the headphone jack, which I think is really neat. I've been playing mine a lot with the headphones, and uh, that plugs right into the port that's right next to the little slider on here, and it works perfectly. On the top, it says 32-bit on the CD-ROM tray. Uh, it says Amiga CD32, and then it says Commodore up in the corner. Now, on the left side are two joystick ports, which, like I said, you can plug joysticks or, or mice into. Um, and then there is an auxiliary port, which I found out uh, they did sell a peripheral that was a keyboard peripheral that you could plug into this if you wanted to start converting this to more of a, an Amiga 1200. Uh, on the back, there is a power switch. Moving from left to right, a power switch. And then there is the power port, which it uses a 1581 um, power adapter for the 1581 drive which I happen to have so that was great because uh, it would have been expensive to ship over from the UK because those power supplies were very heavy there's then an RF output 
Next to that is S-Video, which is what I use to connect to my Sony PVM. And then there are uh, composite and RCA jacks next to that, so you can plug it straight into a composite monitor or TV and then do your stereo out. Um, and then on the right-hand side, there isn't uh, any ports at all. Now, on the back, there is a big area that has a screw in it for the expansion modules. I haven't dove into that yet, but I do know Terrible Fire makes a couple of add-ons, which are accelerators. Uh, there's one that is just um, a CF card or IDE add-on so that you can add hard drives to this. Uh, and there is a little um, card that attaches to that Terrible Fire that allows you to plug in a PS2 keyboard uh, and I think a mouse. Uh, like I said, I haven't quite researched all of that yet, but I am looking into it. Now the controller that Tim Drew sent me uh, is labeled for CD32, but it is called a Competition Pro. It isn't boomerang shape, uh, and it isn't made by Commodore, it's made by a company called Honeybee, and it is much more elaborate than the Commodore one. It has a D-pad on the left, uh, it has a left, uh, left bumper and right bumper buttons or triggers if you want, uh, and they, they're, they're the rewind and fast forward buttons for if you play a CD. There is kind of a start and select button near the bottom, which also is the play button for CDs. There is a button that says slow, which I'm assuming is when you put it up and down, it goes for rapid fire. Every but Then there's four uh, play buttons. There's one labeled one, two, three, one labeled repeat, one is the fire button labeled in red, and one is... I assume the stop button for CDs, but it is also the second button for Amiga games, and it's in blue. Now you can turn through these little switches on here, you can turn off, turbo, or auto, which I'm assuming is, is uh, speed up or, or auto fire. Haven't quite explored all of that yet because I've just been get. I've only, I, I literally only have about maybe two or three hours of time playing with this. One reason for that is that Tim highly recommended that I recap this. There is a problem with um, Amiga CD32s where the caps tend to leak and damage the motherboard, and this one has not been inspected yet. So I need to open this up. I, in fact, I went to console5.com and I ordered a whole cap kit. The CD32 takes 32 capacitors, so it's going to be quite a job. But I bought the cap kit, and I'm eager to get it done. I just haven't had time this month to do it. I haven't even opened the CD32 up yet to see the condition of the caps. So I've been trying to keep my gameplay on it to a minimum. Uh, and so far, like I said, I only have about two or three hours of gameplay, so I haven't tried that controller out quite a bit yet. So the three games that Tim sent to me are Diggers and Oscar, which I think was a pack-in title. Uh, I did get a chance to play both of these, just very little, and they're actually graphically great games, and their Diggers is a lot of fun. I really want to jump more into that. Oscar is a platformer. Um, I have James Pond 2 Robocod, which I've played before on my Amiga 1200, but I haven't played on the CD32 yet. And then there is a game called Microcosm, which I don't know much about, but I think it is a game that has some maybe FMV stuff, like like kind of a movie digital type game. I, I really don't know much about this, so I'm eager to get into that too. But these are all original games in their trays. But one of the killer things about the CD32, which I really do like, is that 
you can burn your own discs. There's no real copy protection on these, so if you have blank CDs, you can just go download ISO images for all the CD32 games and play those. Not to mention there are a couple of people out there on the internet that sell compilations of games. I have one called the Beer Compilation, and I don't know the exact number of games on there, but I really think it's about 40 to 50 games that are on just one disc, and they're they're really good games. Lots of racing games, lots of action games. Basically, they're Amiga. They look like Amiga 1200 games that have been converted just to play from disc on the CD32. Um, I think that is really cool. One thing I wanted to test out was the ability to use the mouse on it because I didn't know if you could or not. Uh, I so I downloaded the version of Cannon Fodder, which is probably my favorite game on the on the Amiga. And boom, it, there's a CD32 version, and it works perfectly. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but I downloaded, like, Chaos Engine. Um, I downloaded Pinball Fantasies, uh, Roadkill, uh, Speedball 2. I Basically, I'm just grabbing all the great Amiga 1200 games that I've loved over the years, and I'm grabbing the CD2, CD32 versions. So far, everything has worked perfectly. One interesting thing I, think I found out about the CD32 that I didn't know is that it has onboard internal RAM, only one K's worth, that will, some games that support game saves, you can actually save into the internal memory. So I played a, I played two levels in cannon fodder and I loved it and then I wanted to save where I left off so I hit save and it worked. And the game save is still there. I've gone back to it a couple of times and resumed where I play. Now from what I understand, there's not a, like I said, there's only 1K of game save state, so I guess you there, there's not a lot of room, so you can't just fill that up with a ton of game saves. There, From what I've read, there isn't an onboard battery, though, which is good. It's all done with capacitors to hold to retain that RAM, so I really do need to get in there and, and do the cap job on that. But otherwise, I'm really, really happy to have received this machine that I've been looking for for a very long time, and this one is in excellent, excellent shape. I, it plays these games perfectly. The CD seems to be, uh, the CD laser in there seems to work just fine. Uh, the controller works great. So really, I, got, I really got to thank Tim, Drew, quite, quite a bit for getting this for me. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to restoring this thing, new caps, and I think it's going to be one of the the crowning crown jewels in my retro gaming collection. So anyway, that's my segment this month. Uh, hopefully, I'll probably be doing another one in the future where I talk about some of the games I've, I've found on it that are a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for listening. Uh, see you next month. Hey, guys. How about we take a little break and check with our friend over the pond? That's right. It's Tea Time with Tim. And coming up next on Pixel Gaiden, it's Tea Time with Tim. Hello, everybody. Oh, thank you. Yes, yes, I know. I know there was a slight delay from me being here last month, and I'm really sorry about that. But thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Strap in, let's go and get ready for another episode of Tea Time with Tim. Are you a Commodore 64 owner? Always wondered how you uh, back up games from tape or disc? 
Wondered how you enter pokes into a game? Then wonder no longer. Tea Time with Tim is here and we're going back to the 80s and exploring the wonderful array of backup devices that were available back in the day. So let's talk a little about what a backup device is and why it was needed back in the day. Firstly, let's say right off the bat that of course copying or pirating a game is and was illegal and destroys creativity. I do not condone it in any way. However, it was a fact back in the 80s and 90s that we all did it to some extent. The market for these devices were allowed as of course you were entitled to take a backup of a game that you had purchased and even transfer a single load take game onto a quicker, more convenient and reliable way to load games from disk on your trusty 1541 or any other drive that you had at the time. I can remember starting out on the ZX Spectrum with a tape deck and a few games but always wanting more games but not having the loot to stump up for the price of the next game. So this is where copying, backup or pirating a game came in. For example, and again I do not condone this or even recommend you try this but I can distinctly remember my friend getting a copy of Jet Set Willy for the ZX Spectrum. Now I wanted that game so much and was saving like crazy to get it. He said, well why don't we try copying it? Now at this time we only had a few blank C90 tapes that he was using to record music on his boombox off of the radio and a tape deck for his Spectrum. Now if we really thought about this we could have connected the earphone socket on the tape deck to the mic socket on his boombox and might have had a degree of success. But nope, as we were stupid teenagers, short on time and brains. So what did we come up with? Yes, you guessed it. Put the tape deck on top of the boombox with the blank tape on record, put the game in the boombox, turn the volume up to full, press play and run! Needless to say, This didn't work and his mum was less than impressed with us and the noise coming from his bedroom. Luckily, not long after that, things like dual tape decks with high-speed dubbing became available. While these will do the job, not every parent was willing to shell out for an expensive new hi-fi just so you could rip off a copy of your mate's Jet Set Willy game. Then came to market backup devices like the Snapshot 64, and freeze frame for the Commodore 64, and the multi-face for the ZX Spectrum, to name but a few. These were on cartridges or interfaces that plugged into the expansion port on your C64 or Speccy and were present while your game loaded up from tape or disc. Then, when the game had loaded into memory, you pressed a button or flicked a toggle switch on the interface and it froze the running program and switched over to the internal ROM on the device to a menu of options. One of these being from example backup memory to tape or backup memory to disk. Essentially it would take a photo or a snapshot of what was running in the memory at any given moment and then dump it out to tape or disk. So you would get a good quality copy of the game sitting in memory, either back out onto a blank tape for your mate, or maybe you archive the game off onto a blank disc. 
Doing it through a backup device like this, you could often get three or four tape single load games onto one side of a five and a quarter inch disc. Often the cartridges like the freeze frame or the later produced action replay had a fast loader for either tape or disc games. This would mean that if you loaded it in from tape, then froze the game, saved it back out onto tape, it would load quicker. Or, in the case of disc, the fast loader was in the ROM of the cartridge and speeded up the loading five or six times faster. Typically, a single load game with a fast loader on the action replay would load in about 20 to 30 seconds, rather than minutes without the fast load. As with most things, the companies released updated versions of the cartridges, offering more features and quicker fast loaders. In some cases, the cartridges had the ability to transfer specific loaders that were more tricky to get around, like the Nova load on the 64. The Action Replay in version 3, 4 and I believe 5 had an option that you would need to select from the menu you choose before loading up a game with the Nova load to get around the protection in the game. There were quite a few companies that made these type of devices. As you can imagine, the market for it was quite big. However, after a time, there remained two big players, Evesham Micro with the freeze frame and Daytel Electronics with the action replay. Daytel, of course, still producing hardware for the action replay, and you may have used them on your PlayStation, your Game Boy, SNES, or even the Mega Drive. The competition in the UK between Evesham and Daytel hotted up. More and more features were written into the cartridges using f features like bank switching to switch in bigger ROM capacity, like 32K ROMs, and even with the action replay included extra RAM to help with the complex menus and options that it provided. Some of the features in the action replay in its last full commercial release, the version 6, were a handy reset button, save to disc, save to tape, a sprite killer, this enabled you to find and disable collision detection in a game so that you can't get killed, a sprite monitor to view all the sprites in memory, to save a screen dump of what was on the active screen in memory, so it's like a, a snapshot, dump to a printer, so dump the active screen to a printer, a text editor, poke editor and a poke finder, so you could either enter pokes into a game for infinite lives or the game would um, have a poke finder so it would look for counters and neutralise the counters in a game. So you'd tell it, it you start off with three lives and then it you start the game, lose a life and then it looks for anything that's gone decremented by one, uh, so from three to two. So generally it would find out uh, which number has been reduced and that would generally be your lives or your energy. A Warp 25 Disk Turbo, now this is claiming to load a 200 block file in under 6 seconds. There were disk utilities like a disk copier, a formatter and a disk monitor. And of course one of the killer apps for the more advanced users was a machine code monitor. The machine code monitor allowed you to disassemble what was in the running memory at the time and poke around in the code of the game and look for more advanced things and actually learn how some of the routines and games worked and were programmed. So let's go ahead and look at the Action Replay. Uh, the version I've got is the Action Replay 6. 
I've got my Commodore 128 set up and my Commodore 1541-2 disk drive set up. We're going to use a game called Bulldog. I've got this game as an original on disk. It's a shoot 'em up from Gremlin Graphics. Uh, and this one is quite a nice little game. The reason why I'm using Bulldog is it's one I can remember back in the day hacking around a bit. I've got a great little scroll text on the front screen and some nice Ben Dalglish music at the front end. So let's go ahead and let's load this one up. So for the, those of you not familiar with the action replay, uh, this is, like I said, the version 6. So this was uh, made around about 1988 by Taydell Electronics. Um, when you switch on your Commodore 64, in this case the 128, if you use Commodore 128 it puts it straight into Commodore 64 mode, doesn't go into the uh, 128 basic. It gives you some options on the front screen. So the first thing it comes up with is F1 to configure memory, F3 for normal reset, F5 will take you into the utilities, so like the disk utilities, and F7 will let you install the fast load option. Uh, the fast load option is used when you have uh, saved games that you've loaded from a disk or from a tape, uh, or sorry, in this case from disk, um, and then you've got the action replay cartridge installed with the fast load technology on it and then you can load those games from the disc and uh, they load in very very quick loading times what we're going to do is we're going to do F1 configure memory and then that takes us into the Commodore 64 basic so then we're just going to issue the load command from disc and we're going to load up Bulldog and I'm just going to pause this while this loads and we're going to time it and get a rough time of how long it takes to load. So here we are, we're back now. Um, we're just about to finish loading. Um, so any second now you should hear the disk drive stop spinning if you can hear that and Bulldog should load up. I think it's around about 1 minute 19 seconds. Here we go. Okay, probably just hear that in the background okay so what we're going to do here is we're going to freeze the program now so we're going to press the freeze button and there we go so what that does is that brings us into the action replay professional menu now we've got a number of options here so we've got F1 which allows us to back up the game and will take us into a separate menu F3 which um, unfreezes the game essentially and puts us back so we can play the game. Um, F7 will give us a view of the screen so it shows us what um, at what point it's froze the game. We've also got the uh, options that we mentioned earlier so M will take us into the machine code monitor, D will give us a directory of the disk that we've got inserted, P to enter some parameters, V will view our sprites in the game, K is the sprite killer, X is the poke finder, uh, e is to enter some pokes. T is to edit the screen. Not really sure what that one was for back in the day, but uh, there we go. H is to do the printer dump. Uh, S is to save the picture, so save the screenshot out onto the disk. And L is a turbo linker. 
I won't go into that one. So what we're going to do is, I think we'll do, first of all, we'll do a backup of Bulldog onto a blank disk and then we'll load it and test the difference in speed in loading. So I'm just going to pause it now. Okay, I'm back. The reason why I paused it there was I realised I didn't actually have a blank disk to save it out onto. So needless to say, I've had to restart the machine again and grab a disk, format it, and now we're back to where we should be. Here we are, back in the Action Replay V version 6 menu. I've reloaded Bulldog, I've pressed the freeze button, I've pressed F1 to back up. So we're presented with a number of options. From here we can format a disk, do a directory, lots of other options. But also from here we can select the options to save to disk and also save to tape. Interestingly it gives us a block count or how much space it's going to do to save it onto disk. So we've got a save to disk turbo option which is 193 blocks save to disk warp 25 which is 204 blocks so obviously it's going to use more space on the disk to save the faster loader and also a standard load which I think will load independently um, of the cartridge and that's 193 blocks as well we've also got the option to save this disk loaded game out to tape so we could do a save turbo and save super turbo we can also restart the program, we can exit to utilities and exit to fast load. So let's go ahead and choose option A to start off with and this is going to be save disk turbo so that's going to give us 193 blocks so let's press A and it's giving, asking us for a file name so we'll call it bulldog and press return so that's saving out to disk now. So while it's doing that, obviously I had to switch off, uh, format the disk, format a blank disk, uh, reload the game, and come back and freeze it and get back into here. What I forgot is that you could actually format a disk from the uh, backup menu. So I could have saved a bit of time there, but never mind. Okay, Bulldog is now saved, so it's saying press a key. So there we go, so we're back. Uh, onto the action replay menu. So let's turn the uh, 128 off now and we're going to reload Bulldog back from the disk using the saved turbo. Okay, so that's interesting. I've gone ahead and uh, loaded the backup uh, which said and promised us a turbo load um, and just loaded that uh, from the normal action replay by pressing F1 to configure memory so back into 64 basic and did the normal disk load and it loaded up in 2 minutes and 5 seconds so that's considerably slower than the original which has obviously got its own built in fast load on it so let's now try it uh, from the fast load menu uh, when we boot up the action replay Okay then, so I'm ready. I've booted up the Commodore 64 and the Action Replay with the fast load option installed. Um, so I'm just issuing the load command now from the disk and let's see how quickly this loads. So here we go, we are now loading. And I think we'll be very pleasantly surprised. All I've got to do now is type run. And here we go. One game loaded up, 
And I think that was roughly around about 10 seconds. And then I had to type in run to start the game. That's very impressive, considering that the standard load would uh, from that same file without the action replay in would take around about two minutes to load. Very impressive. Now we've tested the disk loading, let's have a look at one of the other neat features of the action replay and this is the uh, disassembler. So what this does is allows us to peek into the computer's memory and see what's actually going on. Um, we can look at it in a couple of ways, we can actually see the machine code or we can actually disassemble it and see the information displayed as ASCII text. What that allows us to do is look for text in the game so for example this one's got a scroll message so like a little scroll text going along um, so I've uh, just had a quick play about with it and I found the scroll text for the game located at uh, 64C0 so it starts with hello good day and welcome to Bulldog hopefully the most playable and arcade quality blast them on any home micro hmm. Okay, let's go and uh, change that, shall we? So we've changed the start of the scroll text to hello from everyone at Pixel Gaiden. So let's uh, go through the rest of the code there, leave the scroll text as it is. And we're going to X out of that, and then we're going to F3 to restart. And then we've just got to wait for the scroll text to loop round and hopefully uh, we'll see that part of the message in the scroll text. So here we go, we're just looping round back to the beginning of the scroll text. Almost there and we should see our changes in a second. Hello from everyone at Pixel Gaiden. There we go. So that's it from me for this month's Tea Time with Tim. I hope you enjoyed this quick trip down memory lane for backup devices on the Commodore 64, so especially the Action Replay. If you have any memories of this, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Sanxion, that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N, or you can always send an email over to the show's email address, so that's podcast at pixelguiden.com so all that remains for me to say is stay safe everyone and catch you on the next one all right thank you tim thank you uh past eric <laughs> you're eric welcome of the past <laughs> you're so welcome uh we are about to do our six good games segment yeah but i am parched me too if you could just dig around in that cooler of yours and find something uh, that might quench my thirst. This is the one I brought. Ah, it's called Smash. Smash from Ten Barrel Brewing Company. I love this brewery. I visited their brew pub in Portland when I visited up there last, and but they're out of Bend, Oregon. All right. Um, they Ten, have Ten Barrel Brewing Company. Yep, they have a very generic one called Pub Beer, and it's just black and white can, and it looks very super generic. Mm-hmm fantastic beer and used to be able to get it locally and i can't find it anymore you know what's funny hmm. i don't know if you, oh, we talked about this on the show before but costco stopped selling one of my favorite beers yeah 
I shouldn't say it's one of my, it was my, it's my, one of my go-to daily drinking beers. And what was that? It was literally called Kirkland Signature, of course, because it's Costo. Kirkland, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was a, it was a white can, and the only thing it said on it was light beer. That's it. That's it. Like generic. It was yeah. Kirkland Signature light beer. And uh, I did some research, found it was made up in Milwaukee. So it was one of those, you know, classic American breweries up in Milwaukee. But uh, yeah. it was so good. A lot of times those Kirkland will just take a a popular beer and they just slap their label on it. It's like re uh, kind of relabeling. Yeah, uh, and it, and it might have been that. You know what it tasted like to me? Have you ever had, um, oh, what's it called? Is it golden Trout? Or, yeah. Um, it, that's what it tasted like to me. Yeah. It's like a light beer, but it had, it had flavor. It was good. So this one is a smash passion fruit because it's still summer Ooh. and it's 106 degrees today. So after our stout, we're gonna have a light passion fruit beer. Perfect. Yep. Drink beer outside, it says. But it is a passion fruit called Smash. Smells cheers. amazing. Let us cheers one last time for the show. Hold on, let me get my button ready. And here we go. Clink and I just and got sip. this today, so I haven't tried it. So, well, I just did. It is very light. I would almost say watery. Mm. But I get the passion fruit, definitely. Yeah. It, it's refreshing. It's very refreshing. Hmm. Yeah, the passion fruit is, isn't overwhelming. It's kind of very subtle, so it just gives it a little tang. Okay. I think I'm not going to be able to rate this one right away. I think I'm going to have to live with it for a little bit. Okay. If you don't mind. Let's jump in the six good games. Maybe in the middle we'll rate it or something. I like how we make decisions right here on the show, live with the listeners uh, joining us. That's right. <laughs> All right. So Six Good Games is a segment where Eric and I pick a topic. We each find three games that we think are good. Yeah. And we talk about them. Rather than doing like a top whatever games or whatever, we just want to pick games that we think are good. Yeah. And that way we can get more creative and do some, you know, maybe it's not a top 10 game, but maybe it's a top 30 and we want to talk about it. I don't know. And uh, what was our topic this month, Eric? Alternate sports. Six good alternate sports games. Which I I interpreted as kind of fantasy, kind of uh, doesn't have to be realistic sports. But as I was picking these, I was thinking, or did he mean like kind of off the wall sports like cricket or darts? And instead of asking you, I was just like, whatever, I'm going to pick whatever I That's want. That's the beauty of the show. And if I'm wrong, then we'll just... It's going to be a laughable moment. So <laughs> that's what we like to do. Be wrong a lot. Mine just are creates all fa- for good moments. Mine are all kind of fantasy games or you know fantasy sports kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean it could have been anything. Um, it's not a good game. And I remember in college I was really into disc golf. Yeah, and I found a disc golf video game and it was terrible, but it was the only thing available that right. was disc golf, and so I loved it for that. But sure, um, cool. Do you want to do you want to go first or second, Eric? Uh, I'll go second. Why don't you go first? All right. Well, I'm going to go out of order here. I'm going to start with one. Um, now, this is one that a lot of people know about, especially mm-hmm. if you know anything about the Atari 7800. This is one of the um, premier games that you find on there because a lot of it is ports. Okay. I mean, great. The 7800 has a great port of Asteroids and a great port of Pac-Man and a great port of blah, blah, blah. They don't have a whole lot of original games except this one, and it's hard to get a copy nowadays. They go for like 100 bucks um, because it's so unique. And just like I love bad movies where they just take ridiculous premises and shove them together and see what happens. Right. That's what happened when they created Ninja Golf. (laughs) And I want to know about this because I've read a ton about Ninja Golf, but I've never played it. You haven't played it? Okay. No. So Ninja Golf, first of all, for the show, I played it on my Evercade, Eric. Oh, wow. So you have a copy of it because it is an Atari Collection 1. 
Oh, I didn't know that. So you have you have Ninja Golf. Um, Man, okay. You should play it. It's, I, it's, I, I'm going to do that. It's a blast. Now, gonna... first of all, to be completely up front, mm-hmm. it's called golf. So it's got to have golf references in it. That's right. Um, there's not a whole lot of golf, but it's 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 it's, it's enough there. It's enough. It's enough. Um, how would you shove being a ninja and playing golf into the same game? Well, first of all, let me point out. A lot of the 7800 games, because they're just arcade ports or better ports of like 2600 games, uh, you don't realize how much the 7800 can do. So a game like this, you're like, oh, it was actually pretty capable. Because it came out like during the NES era. Okay. You know, you don't realize that because the games are kind of... Yeah. They were made... They were literally made like three years before and they just held on to it until they finally released it as a last ditch ditch effort. Uh, So you can pick different difficulty settings. You can make some option changes. But essentially the core, core gameplay is... Uh, you're a ninja, and you walk up to the tee. It's a nine-hole golf course. Uh, there's a small... Here, I'm going to pause it so you can see. There's a small... Let me go big here so this thing starts pulling up. There's a small overworld map in the bottom corner, bottom left corner. Gotcha. And you've got these two points that one of them is you, and the other point kind of extends from you. Mm-hmm. And you can extend that point left or right, so aiming on the golf course. And then when you hit the button, you will shoot to where that point is. So as it moves, you try to hit it. If it goes too far, it goes back to the back to you. And so you'll hit like a, a five-foot shot. Yeah. So it can go from a 200-yard shot to a five-yard shot. Um, so that's the, the first thing you do here. So you can see there it's going, just going. He hit there. He actually hit into the rough. And now you have to walk to your ball. As you start walking to your ball, and this part takes the top two-thirds of your screen, um... First of all, everything back in the 80s that had anything to do with golf had groundhogs in it. That's because yeah. of a certain movie. Yeah. So groundhogs pop up and throw something at you. <laughs> so you can kick them in the face or throw a ninja star at their face. Um, and meanwhile, random ninjas start attacking you from the left and right. And you're trying you're just trying to wake your way to make your way to the ball so you can finish around a golf. Um, you have to jump over whatever the groundhogs throw at you. Uh, he keeps chucking that. Um and then there's ninjas coming. You have to either kick them. You can kick low, you can kick high, or kick in the middle. Okay. Uh, so you can attack in different ways. And then when you change terrain, like for right now, he was just walking in the fairway, but because he hit in the rough, now he's the screen changed, and now kind of what you fight changes. So now there's large man-sized frogs in the rough. <laughs> Dude, those are big. That you have to attack, um, along with some ninjas that are now red and different color. Once you make it to your ball, and that bottom map shows you, you know, you're making your way back to the ball, you get a hit again. So now he's trying to make it to the green. Oh, he didn't quite make it. Uh, so he has to fight more, more ninjas to get there. And then once you finally make it onto the green, instead of putting, a large serpentine flying dragon it's shows like a, up on the green. It's like a boss fight. It's a boss fight, and he's blowing fire at you, and you're trying to throw... If you ever played Shinobi, you know, in between levels, you yeah. throw shurikens at uh, ninja stars at things. You're trying to shoot this dragon. I think you have to shoot him like eight times with, with ninja stars. And then he just kind of saunters off and goes, Oh, and then flops off the screen, and you've completed the hole. And ultimately, what matters is the amount of shots you took. Okay. So when you're done, you're like, oh, it was just golf. I took three shots. Yeah. But you did a lot of stuff to take those three shots <laughs> right. and survive. Um, I will point out when you get to, let's see here, when you get to sand and you have to go over sand. Yeah. Um, here you can see some sand fighting here. There's a king cobra in the middle of the sand trap. <laughs> That's there never good. Is. Yeah. And I have not figured out if you can kill this guy. I've always just jump over him because I got I get hurt by him a bunch. So I just jump over the cobra. But my absolute favorite, let's see if we can see it, see it later on in here. My absolute favorite, oh, here it is. Is if you hit it into the water, 
or if you just have to walk over water and go through the water. Yeah. The, apparently, the ponds. First of all, it's a, a straight up ocean. It's not a river. There's like sea stars, starfish, at the bottom. In there, starfish, yeah. <laughs> and you're like you know forty feet under the water. Right. Flipping sharks are attacking you from different levels, Eric. And you got to punch sharks high and low while ninjas are still attacking you under the water. Uh, this game is crazy and zany and frustratingly difficult, to be honest. Um, there are some pickups. You can pick up some health in this little vial like that. Or if there's a little ninja star on the ground, you can pick up more ninja stars because you start with, I think, five. Um, you can only throw ninja stars while you have them. Otherwise, you just punch and kick. It makes sense. The water would be uh, more difficult because it's a bad trap to be in. Yep. But like in this level, you can't not go through the water. You have to go through the water. Yeah. Anyways. And then now he's back in the rough. So giant frogs. It's hilarious. <laughs> it looks good. It's I'm, I'm going to give that a shot. I, didn't know, I forgot it was on the Evercade or didn't know. So yeah. cool. Ninja golf. Ninja Why golf. Why not? Funny enough, it's mm. a good segue. Ooh. My first game it's is... It's also about ninjas. Is, no. It's about <laughs> golf, though. It is called Planet Golf on the Commodore oh, 64. I do love this. Well, all right. I'm going to hear you talk about it. Yeah. So um, this game is by... Um, what was it? Antonio Savona? Yeah, we Savona. just talked about yeah. him. Yeah. And we just talked about him. He's made a ton of great games like uh, Felix Jr. Fix, fix it, it, Felix, Felix Jr. Jr. I can fix um, it. This, so what what this basic game is is a 2D golf game where you are just golfing. There's like a little hole and you are sending your ball over. You're just trying to hit it and you control the angle that you're going to shoot. It's almost like a scorched earth style game. You pick the angle and then the, the power that you're going to hit the ball and you go. And the kind of twist in this game while it's called, called planet golf is you can play on three different planets and each planet has different gravity for the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, there's also a ton of things that just make this kind of a crazy uh, game. There are aliens like that guy. <laughs> there's a teleporter. There's uh, conveyor belts. Uh, there are just a ton of like different things. You can hit the birds when they fly by. Yeah. Um, so it makes it for... Like, the alien kicks your ball, it's a, which in that case worked out for him. It went right in the hole. <laughs> it is very interesting. It is very fun. It is a blast. One thing about this game, it is insanely difficult. Yes. Um, there, there, now, I mean, there are levels that are, aren't that bad, but most levels will... I mean, it's not unusual for me to get like a 20 over, 20 over par. Yeah. I think it was an excellent implementation. I do wish it was play-tested more because it's hard for me to enjoy it. Now, this style of game is awesome. Um, the first time I ever played a game like this was probably 10 years ago on mobile. It okay. was a game called Stick Golf. Okay. And they've since come out with like Stick Golf 2, 3, and 4. And then a bunch of copycats made it. Uh, those are very playable games. Um, and this is a great implementation that's really unique. I love how you can pick different planets. I love how you can get... Um, you can get different power up. They're no, not power ups, but oh, awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Within here, you can get you know. Yeah, they did a lot of stuff. They basically they did they did um, oh, he the, did rip off stick off. Yeah, and I forgot there's digitized speech, which is pretty yes. cool on Commerce sixty four. Um, anyway, continue. Please. So I loved it. Everything was great about it, except like you said, there's some levels that are just like this one right here. I I couldn't finish this level. I just wanted to finish and get my score, and I couldn't finish this level. Now, in, if I remember right, in stick golf. If you got an eight, like in regular golf, you get an eight. That's your score maxes out, and he says, "All right, you got you got a snowman, you got an eight. Yeah, move on to the next level. Yeah, 
But you, I could sit here and shoot the ball at that last hole 50 times, and it's just impossible. Um, that one that we saw with all these little... Yeah, this one. I, I couldn't pass this level, and I just got so frustrated. Because um, some of the holes, you know, you might you might get pretty good at it, and you're like, dude, I figured out exactly where to put it, mm-hmm. and uh, I can do it now in two shots every time. But this level over here, I still can't beat it in 15. Right. Um, but this last level, I just couldn't win. But I agree. It's hard. It's gorgeous. But it is, it's it's fun really game. well done. Yeah. I think it's just a little bit of tuning. Yep. Um, and it is, as we just mentioned, a boxed copy. Yes. From Cytronic. Mm-hmm. So, good call. I, I, do like, I do like this game. Um, and it's pretty. It is very pretty. And it's got great sound, great, great, great music. Uh, good stuff. Cool beans. What do you got next here? Oh, I'm going to rate a beer. Oh, yeah, let's what do, do that. What are you thinking on this beer? Um, well, what's related to passion fruit? Hmm. Out of... Out of how much passion? Um, <laughs> Metric tons of passion. Well, let's just read it out of 44. Okay. Um, fruity cocktails. I don't know. Fruity, fruity cocktails. 44 fruit of loom underwear. Sure. Do you want me to go first? You go for it. I'm actually going to rate this pretty high. I find it refreshing. I've, dig- I've been digging light beers on um, for the summertime. And it is 106 degrees today, so I am going to rate this. I'm going to give it a solid 40, 40 out of 44. Oh, wow. It is high. I like it. I've, I really enjoy it. So a lot of the beers that we've had in the last couple of months with fruit in them mm-hmm. did a great job of balancing it. Yes. This one tastes like juice to me. Uh, which That's good. I love juice. I don't I don't love it the way you do. It's good. It's refreshing. I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a 35, 35. out of 44. Cool. 35. All right. <clears throat> Back to Six Good Games. Yes. <laughs> On their last episode <laughs> of Six Good Games. Uh, my next golf, Eric. Or my next game, Eric. Your next is another golf game. No. I'm going to be honest. I had a hard time not picking. I love golf video games. Yeah, me too. And I also... <clears throat> I'll do a couple of, um, of uh, honorable mentions in here that we've already talked about because I wanted to talk about those again. Sure. Um, but I want to go ahead and, you know... Pixel Guide in is everything retro and retro-inspired, Eric. So there is a game on the PlayStation 4 and Steam only. All right. Uh, and these this is made by Supergiant Games, the same guys that made um, Bastion, and they have a couple other games. They're gorgeous games. But this one is called Pyre. Have you heard of it? I have not. All right. This is Pyre. First of all, I mean, the art is gorgeous. It is. Um, really cinematic. And ultimately, this game is, I'm going to pause it for a second. It is a, you get an overworld map, and you're in a little caravan. Okay. And I'm not going to go through the whole story, because there is a story through it. Um, it's not cutscenes and things, it's reading, um, so you don't have to sit there and watch a movie. Uh, but basically, you're going through, and you have to battle all these different factions, uh, you and your crew that you pick up in your wagon. You get to make some decisions via text, but ultimately, the action is you play three-on-three games of what they call Pyre. And essentially, it's kind of like the uh, ancient... Do you remember the in, in school we learned about the uh, Native American Indians? Mm-hmm. Uh, how they had a game where you threw a ball through a hoop? Yeah. It's kind of like that. There's these two pyres, these fires on each side of the of the court here. And you have three players, and you can switch your players out. And you're basically just throwing the ball back and forth between all of you, and you can use turbo. It's kind of like NBA Jam. But then there's obstacles in the course, and the ultimate goal is to have the ball and run it into the fire. And that's the, that's the the main gameplay. Now it gets really technical, 
and you might have you know a fast guy you keep on one side another guy who's really good at like pushing people away and defending from being uh grabbed um but essentially they made this whole sport it kind of reminds me of how you know harry potter came up with not harry potter but uh jk rowling came up with the whole concept of uh what's the sport with the Kidditch or Quidditch, yeah, Quidditch. yeah, yeah. I never did Harry Potter, but my daughter is. Oh, don't pretend you don't know Quidditch. I don't know Harry Potter <laughs> at all, but my daughter is re- currently reading through all the books. Okay, and she's late into it. She thinks she's on the fifth or sixth book, and uh, she, she, so she talks about it. Yep. So that's how I knew about that. Yeah, and my daughter is just getting into the first book, my youngest, which is really cool because it's a little old for her, but cool. So, anyways, you can see like the here's the. The overall field you have these fluid spheres of influence around you yeah um you'd have to play it to learn it mm-hmm. it actually does take it kind of walks you through it as you play so you kind of learn as you go uh, but these are all the different factions that you play games against and of course you can level up and get different abilities and ultimately everything you're doing and collecting and buying and leveling up goes towards the the sport which is this game called pyre that's neat it's really cool um uh, unfortunately only available on playstation 4 and steam but Gorgeous game, Pyre P Y R E. Cool. Yep. I yeah, it looks very very interesting. I played a ton of that. I did not finish it. Uh, something distracted me, and that was probably three years ago. But it looks like one of those games though you can go pick up pick up pretty easily. Get back on the train. I actually don't think it is. I think it's more like an RPG where once you get away from it, yeah, you're gonna have to start it all over again. I found those SteamWorld games are like that because I, I did leave those and I went back to one the other day and I was like, oh man, I don't oh, remember shoot. what I'm doing here. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so I'm probably going to have to restart them again, which isn't bad, but... Gotcha. So my next one is a um, a game that I didn't have a Sega Genesis back in the day. In fact, I didn't know anybody who had one. That's so weird to me. Yeah, it is weird. But it was the first console... When I started getting back into retro stuff, I but the first thing, of course, was a Commodore 64. But the second thing was <laughs> a Sega Genesis, because I wanted one back in the day, but I never had one. So I grabbed a Genesis, and the first game I played on my EverDrive, because when I bought the EverDrive, mm-hmm. was Mutant League Football. And This is a game I almost picked, but I saw you beat me to it, so I'm like, cool, yeah. all right, I'll keep looking. So, well, good, because you can help me with this. It's been a, this was, this was eight, oh, no, nine no, no. years I ago. I haven't played it. I've always wanted to oh, play it. Oh, okay, good, good. I was going to okay. pick it just so I could play it. Yep. So I'm going to do this from memory, because I honestly haven't played it in recent history, but Fair enough. Fair I enough. played it maybe eight years ago, nine years ago. But from what I remember, it is based on a popular um, engine for football, but they changed the graphics. So was it, it Joe Montana Sports Talk? Football? I think it is. Because yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and I played a ton of that when I was a kid. I think that's right. I by think the way, by football, we mean football, not soccer. That's right. This is American football. Um, but basically, you play um, a, a team of aliens, and you... Uh, or mutants, or, mutants, or skeletons. Or mutants, exactly. Orcs. Right, Exactly. And basically, it's football, but it is, you can grab power-ups, you can get special abilities, and some guys roll, and they can, like, roll through people. Um, it, it's hard to explain, because there's so much to the game, but it in its essence, it is football. You can hand off, you can do passes, 
but it adds the extra element of of kind of pow- super powering your guys and they have special abilities tearing people like in half and blowing things up and yep. there's a, a bomb someone just put a mine in the field and someone just blew up and left a hole in the field exactly um I, you know, I, I wish there was a, the game isn't like it is just like a typical football game. It's not one of those you can just jump right into. You have to read the manual. Um, I did. I did play it a little bit before the, the show, but only for about like 20 minutes. And I found I had to download the PDF on my phone and kind of read through it to even get started. Like, oh, what am, what am I supposed to do here? How do I pick the plays? You can do audibles. You can do things like that. But it it is a blast, and the graphics, as you can see, are great. I mean, this is a fun game that I did get back to back, you know, ten years ago. I played it quite a bit when I first got my Genesis, but I, I do want to revisit this one. This one's a blast. And what's great about this is somebody who had a love for this recently they couldn't take the license, so okay. they released, recently redid this uh, a few years ago and made a you know PlayStation Four, Xbox, Steam, all that new version of a game completely different eric but it's called <laughs> sure instead of mutant league football it's called mutant football league <laughs> have you heard of this i have not oh really so you have to actually put your date of birth into the website here so it's funny because i'm actually putting my actual date of birth in here i don't know why oh you, maybe you, not quite you were born in 1082 <laughs> wow. born in 1082 that was a long time ago it's a math there it did um mutant football oh it's league. on the switch as well wow uh, I didn't, I've never heard of this game. But it looks great, dude. Look at, here's the uh, launch trailer. Ooh, but I mean, that's... Very 3D. Yeah, it's... Um, very modern. The fields don't kill you. And then some saw blades run through the field. The players will, and there's blood everywhere. Um, the guys even look like the guys in the... In, in, yeah. In the, in the Mutant League football. Things are blowing up. They're throwing balls with spikes on it that are just tearing through people. Things are blowing up. 25 teams in stadiums or fields. I don't know. It looks like a lot of fun. It's and funny I, that someone had has so much love for it. Because you can, oh, by the way, you can bribe the refs in, in the Genesis <laughs> version, too. That's right. That's right. So you can bribe the refs to give you a call. That's one of your, I think I, I think it might be an audible, but I don't remember. But you can, you can do that, too. So there's a lot of really cool, neat things, but it is a deep game. So you're going to want to spend some time with it. But it's a great one. Cool. So as I said, Eric... I tried hard to get away from golf. Yeah. And I couldn't. I love I love golf video <laughs> games. Right. They're, they're just so much fun to me um, for whatever reason. This game, I actually almost stopped and said I don't want to put put this on the list. I want to do put some real time into this game and make it one of our Battle of the Systems games just so we can play it a play lot. more, yeah. Um, but ultimately I said, no, nah, I don't want to continue to bogart that segment. But on the GameCube, there is a game called King Ribbit. King Ribbit. Now, you wouldn't know why this would be a golf game. There's nothing to tell you of that. Uh, but it's called King Ribbit. And it is a Japanese-only game. Although, when you open the game, you can select English for the language. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like, the graphics on there call it Ribbit King. Ribbit King, yep. But you um, wrote King Ribbit. Oh, uh, you know, it is Ribbit King. I did write King Ribbit. <laughs> Anyways, Ribbit King is a 2003 sports video game developed by Infinity and Jams Works, published by Bandai for the Nintendo GameCube and PlayStation 2. Bandai, nice. Um, single player, multiplayer video game, up to four players, blah, blah, blah. All right. So long story short, it's actually a very Nintendo-looking game. Yeah. Um, 
and when I say I mean like Nintendo first party, like Mario 3D, like it, it looks it looks legit. The people almost look like the rabbits. Yeah, kind of. Uh, there's all kinds of different people. But anyways, yeah. there's a story, but I'm not even going to worry about the story. It's not about the story. Ultimately, what this is, is cutesy 3D golf, mm-hmm. but instead of golf, uh, you hit you hit frogs. So it's not a very PETA-friendly game. <laughs> yeah. You use a mallet, and you smack the crap out of a frog, and it jumps. That's the game. But what's cool about it is, here you'll see, here's a course... He's going to smack the frog's butt, and it's going to jump, and then it takes a small hop, and then a tiny hop. So it'll take one more, I think. Yeah. Nope. Now it stopped there. Um, but what's cool about it is you don't just try to get it into the hole, which there is a, a large hole at the end of the course. Uh, if you get in the hole first, you get 1,500 points. But you can see all from the top map here, there's all kinds of little like soap bubbles. Yeah. They have 100 points or 50 points in it. If you get those while like, you know they're up in the air at different heights, if you hit through those, you get points. If you hit it near, when you finish your frog um, on the ground near a fly, he will jump towards that fly. If you hit him into one of these big spider webs on the ground, he will trampoline off the spider web. And every time you do any of these things, you get more points. So you could hit it, hit like three 100-point uh, soap bubbles, bounce off of a, a spider web, get 30 more points, land see a fly eat the fly land on another spider web like you can create these crazy chain reactions and ultimately the point of the game is to get more points than the other person which is not very golf yeah but so someone can go in and and what they call hole in like this guy is about to do and actually finish the hole and he's going to get 1500 points the second person will get like a thousand points and the third person gets like 500 but if you don't go in first you can sit there and spend time collecting all the other stuff um, I can get into more rules and stuff, but it's really pretty simple. It's just, it's a blast. Um, sounds very complicated. It kind of makes it sound like it is, but ultimately you're just trying to collect stuff. Yeah. You're, you're playing golf by hitting a frog and you're just trying to collect stuff all over the level. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of cute touches and stuff. Um, yeah. And the frogs look no ro- worse for wear. I mean, they look okay. <laughs> they look like they love being absolutely smacked by a mallet. Do you remember when we had the six good games that PETA would hate? Yep. No, I was thinking. That. I was exactly thinking that. <laughs> yeah. You can land on these question marks, and then you get a free item that you can use later. Um, we were so edgy back then. I ended what up, happened to us? I know, right? Um. Anyway, so this this, this game, looks good. It, it looks. I had a, I had a blast playing it. That's the worst. So you just to, made this for your GameCube, where you just burned a disc or something and played it. Well, I have that little SD card solution now. Okay. But yeah, and I ended up playing this for like four, three or four hours yesterday. I couldn't stop. I love it. Cool. Ribbit King. Looks good. I might uh, burn me a copy. Or as some people call it, King Ribbit. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard people call it that. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download that one. I'm writing it down. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. Oh, and this is the best part. I'm sorry. Can You, you have to hear this. If I can. Is, is my sound down? All right. So when the game ends. Yeah. It's the most random, creepy little like black guy that, uh, um, like he's a, he's a black. What do you call it? Alien looking guy. Alien that's yeah. just like jet black with eyes that always look up in the air. Yeah, and he tells you who wins in the most like nonchalant, weird. He sounds like um, South South on South Park. They have Big Gay Al, who's just this like yeah. over the top. You have to. He'll see if it, let's see if people can hear this. All right, so that guy just lost, but you have to listen to this guy tell you that the game's over here. The results. Your score so far is 
this. Your score so far is this. The surprise bonus for this round is for this. <laughs> he doesn't wow. even tell you what the things are. You have to read them. For this many points. For this many points. Oh, it's like, oh, uh, 100. They didn't have the money to pay the voice actor, so they just <laughs> used the, the generic. And the bonus you. goes to you, and he points to one of the characters. Oh, my gosh. I get a kick out of that every time. <laughs> all right, sorry. Kind of a tangent. No, no, that's all good. We have one more game, Eric, and that's all you. What do you got? <clears throat> so the last one I picked uh, has a little story behind it. It's a game I love, but I'm horrible at. All right. So much so that I think in the whole time I've played this over the years, I've only scored a couple of goals okay. at all. Um, in fact, the legend Freakin' Frankie came over to my house once and we played this, and he's scoring goals left and right um and 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 of course i lost against him but he was trying to give me tips to be better at it do you play this on genesis or amiga i played on amiga okay but it is called speedball 2 and the graphics i love them i love the concept of it it is like a futuristic kind of hockey game but you're grabbing this super heavy metal ball and you're throwing it and you're you can pass it to teammates there are power-ups. I played this before I came over here. I played it on the CD32 because oh, really? okay. there's a special CD32 version. Um, so I played on the Amiga CD32. I'm playing it, and I scored zero. I mean... I've never scored a point in this game. I've never scored... A, I mean, I've scored maybe two goals in my life, but there are on the side of the play field, there are... Like little things you can do, like warp, and there's like this little curly cue thing where you can score points. But when you score a goal, I think it's ten points. Okay. But if you do use those little things, you get one point or two points. So you can use those little things on the side to score additional points, almost like like uh, so field it's goals tied, or something. You can just, yeah. Okay. So if you're tied, you could just go throw it through one of those little curly cue ramp things, and not those lights, but. There's, there's these other little things you'll see. I have a, such a hard time scoring goal, but I want to be... I desperately want to be better at this game. You and I are on the same bo- in the same page on this. I, I've played a ton of... Not a ton of... I've played this like three or four different times. Yep. Thinking like, maybe I had something wrong. And I can't... No, I we can't do. do anything. We do have something wrong because if you go online and like on YouTube, you can watch people play. They're very... There's people very good at this game. Oh, I'm sure. Um... There are lots of things to do. And there's different play fields. Like, these are activating those scars. But see that curly cue thing? Yeah. It's a ramp. If you put, if you roll that thing, you can get an additional few little points. But the main thing is making the goals, which gives you the big points. And there's power-ups, which gives your guy a little speed boost so you can outrun your opponents. But it's a brutal game in that you, when you hit people, you can knock them down and steal the ball. Um, it the graphics are so smooth in this game and I love the aesthetics. Yeah. The sound, the aesthetics, it has a deep mechanism for like upgrading your players. There's a whole kind of almost like mini sports RPG element to it. You can take wins and you can like apply like bonus points to abilities like throwing the ball, okay. getting goals, uh trading players, stuff like that. There's a whole element to this game. I want to be better at this game, but I'm not. I suck at it. And I've sucked at it for years. <laughs> for years and years, I have sucked at it really badly. You know what I think it is? It's Even though they're throwing the ball, basically it's uh, uh, soccer. Yeah. It's European football. Right. Which we Americans will never comprehend. <laughs> we just can't gel to it. We aren't going to understand this. Yeah. 
That could be it. You might be onto something. You know. Now, if they would throw the ball and then stop like every ten yards and yeah. let us stop and think about it, then maybe <laughs> right. it would be okay. If it was like a slower, methodical <laughs> game, yes. Ladies so anyway, and gentlemen, that's it. That is the end of six good games, and that is the end of our show. Wow! Right, it went by. We did not so fast. We, we did not keep it under two hours, Eric. In fact, we barely kept it under two and a half hours. Yeah, well, eh, that's kind of the typical, typical thing here. Us. Pixel Guide in, so you get your money's worth. <clears throat> you do on your next episode of Pixel Guide in for those listening. Uh, a couple of cool things. First of all, Tim Drew from the UK, from the Future is 8-Bit, our cohort, will be on the show with us. Yes, um, as he is every month. Um, this time we are going to be covering a battle of the systems between two on-rail shooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Sin and Punishment, a Japanese exclusive on the Nintendo 64. And then we're comparing that with uh, the Sega Saturn classic, Panzer Dragoon Zwei, which is German for two. Right. Fun fact! Uh, and then, of course, we are going to catch up. The first episode uh, every month we talk about news. And then the second episode, which releases on the 30th every month... So 15th and 30th, uh, we like to catch up and just talk about what we've been up to, um, some things we've purchased or worked on or changed or whatever. And we do that with our boy Tim Drew. Um, and then you also have Cody's Corner, my little segment next yeah. month, in which I'm going to uh, cover a another first $100 segment, Eric. On what? Uh, what do you do when you, spend, when you have a brand new Sony PlayStation Portable, PSP? Mm-hmm. And you have a hundred dollars to burn on new games. What should you buy? That's a good. That's well, good because I'd like to hear next, it. Uh, next like... episode on the thirtieth, and I'll go over that. Awesome. Well, sir, it's been fun. Yes, it has. Uh, let's go ahead and record another ep- episode in uh, about four minutes here. <laughs> but we're going to pretend like it's t- a and couple we'll weeks pre- from we'll now. We'll pretend like it's been two weeks. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us, and always remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>